You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and updates on Star Wars The High Republic, Star Wars The Clone Wars, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. But first... We've got to tell you all about a little Star Wars trip that we took over to Galaxy's Edge um, and had a blast over there. So this is going to be a fun episode. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, and Paul with me. How's it going, guys? What's up, Kyle? What's up, Paul? And how can I really be feeling anything other than great right now after going to Galaxy's Edge with you two and just having an absolute blast, like you said, Kyle? So yeah, I can't wait to relive that weekend and discuss all the amazing things that galaxy's edge had to offer so yeah looking forward to talking about it well uh it would have been a lot better if uh kyle didn't get me sick so hey you <laughs> know what yeah. somebody obviously got me sick so i don't know why you blame it on me right. like i'm patient zero we 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 hey we uh we shared the same room for a couple days so that's true you know which, by the way, I we haven't even talked about that, but I've shared a room now with both Tim and with Kyle on different occasions, and that's a. I want to say it, it, it. They are great people to to room with, because they are very very hospitable and very very respectful. And I I think one time. I think I remember vaguely waking up when you were drinking out of your water bottle, Kyle. And I was like, what is that? Oh, you did. You did. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the, um, the bottle like cracked and yeah. you know, you were like, what is that? I kind of scared me. I thought you were, you were asleep, <laughs> but Hey, you know what? You're, you're, you're a good roommate too. You snore much less than advertised. So, uh, okay, good. Right, yeah, good. you, you warned me ahead of time, to you warned me ahead of time. I bought earplugs and I didn't end up having to use them. So that's great. Well, I, I'm also, yeah, when, when I, me and Tim roomed, I was, I weighed a lot more. I've lost a lot of weight since then. So I imagine, uh, I hope I wouldn't snore as much. I probably snore a little bit, but yeah, that's a, it was great. It was great rooming with you guys or, um, or, or obviously we stayed, we stayed with Tim and, we have a lot to talk about with Galaxy's Edge and, you know, just how special that was. And it, it truly was special. So, yeah. yeah, a lot of amazing time hanging out. I mean, people don't realize that, you know, people who live far away from your podcast people, it's hard to get together. And and this trip just kind of came together. It, it very, I mean, it's funny because I guess I did kind of orchestrate it, but it's I don't really see it that way, if that makes any sense. But um, 
it just came together pretty easily, I thought. And pretty and it ended up just being a great time to hang out with with uh, some really good friends, obviously. I mean, hung out with Sean from Marvel Studios, hung out with uh, my one of my best friends, Justin Bulger. Um, and got to hang out with you guys, which both of you guys are become good friends of mine and, and been just awesome podcasting people. So it's been a, you know, it, it, if I had to experience Galaxy's Edge, it had to be with you guys. Like, honestly, you, Justin, Sean, and and you guys. And and that was experiencing Galaxy's Edge with you guys was was a real special experience that I'll, you know, I'll hold forever. I mean, and, and think about this, like Kyle, me and you, we met at Star Wars Celebration um, you know, actually got to know each other there. Or me and Tim already kind of knew each other, or not even kind of. Me, me and Tim knew each other pretty well at that point. But always, always kind of, you know, Star Wars uh, milestones, if you will, are really our, our good friendship is, is revolved around Star Wars in a sense of like these big moments, like Star Wars Celebration 2015, and now Galaxy's Edge, and it's just cool. It's just, it's just really cool to kind of like you know you kind of everyone bonds together over what we all love, which is Star Wars. So yeah, yeah. it was a. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about it, but uh, sorry, you wanted to say something, Tim? No, I was going to say, I echo everything you said right there. And that was one thing where I, I've got people tell me, you live so close to Disneyland. You haven't gone to Galaxy's Edge yet? Like, I, It has to be the perfect moment. I got to experience it with those who <laughs> I know love Star Wars just as much as I do. And those are you two. So the fact that I held off on going and it was more than worth it getting to experience it for the first time with both of you. It was just as amazing as I thought that experience would be. So it was a good thing of, even though seeing some responses and reactions to Galaxy's Edge, everyone seeing how amazing it was, was a little hard at times for not making me just want to go one weekend to check it out. But I was definitely <laughs> glad that I held off to when we could all go together. Cause like you said, Paul, it just made it that much more special and I wouldn't change anything about that. It was great. Yeah, it was totally awesome. Just getting to experience it all together for the first time. And I think it also, I mean, I know, Tim, you could have gone any time over the past year, but also the new Rise of the Resistance ride just opened up. Um, and it was also great. Like, we we got to go on that, um, got up at the crack of dawn to, you know, get down there early and make sure we were in one of those boarding groups. Which we um, were heavily debating the night before if we were going to do that. <laughs> yeah, and, and ended up being totally worth it, obviously. That was my fault. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we, we can tell that whole backstory and everything, too. But um, oh, I was just going to say, yeah. it, it was also, you know, I, I'm obviously glad we waited to go until after that was open and we got to just experience everything all in one go. Because um, you can definitely do everything in there all in one day. I mean, we went on the Millennium Falcon ride multiple times. Uh, made multiple visits to, um, gosh, what's the store? The Doc Ondars. Um, you know, just got to see all, all the cool stuff that there is to see in there. But um, yeah, I'm glad that we waited till after Rise of the Resistance is out and we got to go on that and we got to just experience everything all in one shot and um, experience it all together just as a crew. I mean, it was that was perfect. Yeah, definitely. I mean, after experiencing that, I can't even imagine doing all that by myself, like riding Smuggler's Run, just me with a bunch of other people, or if, if I went to Rise of Resistance a month earlier and experienced that by myself, no way would have, I mean, it would have been awesome and cool, no doubt, but it wouldn't have the same impact as it was being it with you guys and other fellow Star Wars fans. So, yeah, it was just fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Um, so anyway, yeah, we're, so where should we start just recapping the, uh, the whole story? Let's just kind of go through and yeah, we'll start that night before. Um, 
so I know, Paul, you flew in. You guys were hanging out during the day. I drove out Thursday night after work. Um, we all, you know, met up late at night. And then uh, Paul was like, hey, I want to go get some ice cream. So we all drove over to McDonald's. And we're sitting there at McDonald's late at night plan <laughs> planning out the events for the next day. And we were talking about Rise of the Resistance and, you know, sort of how much of a hassle it is to try to get these. So basically what you have to do. You don't have to, like, line up super early before the park opens. Basically, what you have to do, for anybody that hasn't been and is interested in going and wants to know how this works, you just have to be there when the park opens. So, for us, it was, like, 8 a.m. We got there around, you know, 7.15, 7.30. Um, so, you know, be there, like, a, a little, before, you know, give yourself a little buffer. Don't show up, like, right at 8. Because um, you have to be, like, through the turnstiles and already have your ticket. But you don't have to start lining up for it at like four in the morning or anything crazy like that. But you have to be there at the park. You have to already be through with your with your ticket because then, um, you know, they, they give you like a physical printout ticket after you go through the gate. So you can't just do this with like your ticket that you buy online or whatever. And then you got to scan your ticket into the, the Disneyland app or like the Disney Parks app or whatever. Um, and then you can, like if you're there with a group, so what we did is you like, each person scans everybody in your group's ticket. So you add everybody to a group like in your app. And then right when the park opens, you, like there's a section in the app where you can see the Galaxy's Edge stuff and you can see the Rise of the Resistance ride. Um, and there's a button that says like join virtual queuing system or something like that. And it's like grayed out and it becomes lit up like right at eight o'clock when the park opens. And so you have to like re like refresh it and restart the app and everything to try to get it right when that button lights up. And like everybody's standing around trying to do this. Like it's crazy. Like everybody that was there yeah. was all trying to get on this ride. And there were like, you know, middle-aged soccer moms coming up to us being like, hey, you guys look like Star Wars fans. Do you know like any tips for doing this? And like. That was so weird. Yeah, we were like, I mean, I was like, hey, sorry. Like, yeah, we're Star Wars fans, but we're doing this for the first time. Um, you know, couldn't really give anybody any expert pointers because we were trying to just make sure we knew what we were doing for the first time trying to figure it out. Also, I didn't really want to, like, help anybody get in line ahead of us, but, um, <laughs> you know, was trying to be nice at the same time. But, you know, yeah, we were kind of just trying to figure it out on the fly. Um, but then, yeah, so, so as soon as it's eight o'clock, everybody's, you know, refreshing their apps and spamming that button. And we actually were able to get a pretty decent position. We got in what, like boarding group 39 or something. Um, yeah, 39. Well, yeah. Yeah. It and was, it goes all, it I mean, it can, it can go all it? the way up into like the hundreds. And even if you get a boarding group, like you're not guaranteed to get to go on the ride during that day. Um, but we got in like in the middle of the day, so it was great. Yeah. And just. Now, knowing it wasn't a guarantee and getting approved, I guess, <laughs> so quickly. I mean, we had that plan where two of us would have the app closed and then open it right as it turned eight. And then the other two would have the app open, but have have the page already loaded in so where you could register to get the boarding pass on Rise of the Resistance. So we had two different plans. And Paul was the one who you're, you're the one who had it open already. Right, Paul? Yeah, so we, it's funny because I just we just told the story on the uh, Marvel Newscast Patreon, um, you know, kind of you know, we, we, going over everything. But basically, 
Sean and, and Kyle, or it was me, was it Sean's idea? Or you guys were the, the kind of the brainchild of, uh, yeah, we, we kind of tag teamed it. I mean, we were all just trying to figure out, it, figure it out as a group. Um, yeah, but you guys, but yeah, we had, guys, so we had some guides and stuff that we had looked up online. Um, yeah, so telling you kind of tips I, and tricks yeah. of how to get in there. Yeah. So I, I had the app open at eight o'clock and not being the ride guy, I was the most apprehensive of trying to get on this ride because I know. Yeah, you and, almost and tried to, to get, talk us out of it. I did because one, <laughs> I want I hadn't slept very much the last couple of days, and I knew I wasn't going to sleep well that night because we had to get and we had to get up early to do it. I was thinking oh, it would be really great if we just kind of took our time getting out there and get some breakfast. I was thinking like I can avoid oh, this Paul ride. Loves his breakfast. I do. I love. It's blame my wife, dude, and she. It's all her fault. Um. So, uh, and then Kyle was like, "Oh no, man, I really want to go on this ride." I was like, "Oh god, this, this ride!" <laughs> and so, but but it, but because I'm a team player, I went with it. And um, when we did the whole boarding thing, uh, ironically, I was the one who got us into it. So <laughs> I'm like, "Great, you know." I just love and your so, reaction. He goes, "Uh, did we get on? Did I just do it?" <laughs> We're like. Yeah, so then we all gave each other high fives and hear yeah. other people in the background cheer. It was just great. Yeah, I think oh. I think me and Sean both had like our thing was spinning, like it was trying to get us into the queue, and so we're all excited, like, all right, are we gonna get it? Are we gonna get it? And then Paul over here is like, uh, I think I just got it. And sure enough, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it was in. So Well, and so I want people to know as soon as I knew we were had to go on the ride, I thought to myself, I think I'm gonna have to research this ride to make sure i prepared myself there's nothing like in there where i'm gonna like hate everyone for making me get on this thing <laughs> but it's star wars and if even if there was something really brutal on it i probably would have done it just because it's star wars at least once and then never do it again if i hated it so i had a i did spoil myself a little bit not enough though i because i was surprised by most stuff in the ride but uh, I did know a little bit about it, but there the, the things that I read were mostly non-spoilers and and but they did tell me about a a specific drop, which I am not a drop person. And yeah, we'll just say that it was. Yeah, a, but then you said that ended up being your favorite part of the ride, right? <laughs> You're spo- are we going that far? Well, no, no, no. We'll, we'll get to that later. But um, just no, but, I yeah. I just thought it was funny that you spent all day worrying about that drop, and then you ended up loving that part. It wasn't all day worrying, but it was when we were in line, and and I was like started thinking about it. I just you know I just for some for those who don't know, I'm I'm just not a ride person. I used to be more so a, a ride person, and when I was younger, for whatever reason, roller coasters and going dropping down, even like Pirates of the Caribbean, like freaked me out, and. I know that sounds really stupid, but I just don't like going down like fast. It's just not my thing. And so when I knew there was a drop in this thing, I'm like, oh boy, oh man. So I just, but I knew I had to grin and bear it and do it because I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. And everyone who had been on it had, had told me, you want to get on this thing. So I told myself, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And thank goodness you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, so anyway, so I mean, as far as what, like how the actual day went though, you know, we're standing in line, uh, just outside the park with all these people waiting to get in. We got our, our spot in line. Um, and then we just headed on into the park and, uh, you know, you walk through like Adventureland or, or 
whatever frontier land or whatever that part of the park is and go down through the little tunnel and into galaxy's edge. And, uh, man, just walking in to that part of the park for the first time was just a really cool experience. Um, and you walk through this oh, yeah. little tunnel and they've got like some subtle, like star Warsy music playing, um, that makes it feel, you know, it's a good like transition vibe where you feel like, Oh, you know, I'm not in, you know, you, you feel like you're entering a different, a different area yeah. and a different, uh, you know, a different world almost for, for lack of a better term. I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but it really does kind of pull off that effect. It's also cool because I don't know if you guys felt like this, but just the way that you walk in there and you walk under this big arch where it kind of like, you know, you're you're completely covered for a moment as you're walking in. So then when you walk through and you see the sky over Batuu with like the spires and stuff, it almost feels like you're in your own like enclosed little area. Like, you know, you can you can see up to the sky, but it almost feels... It feels a little bit different, like just there's, at least to me, there was almost like an optical illusion kind of effect, like walking through the tunnel to get in there. And then, so it was almost, it it did almost have the effect of feeling like you were in a different location or on a different planet or something like that. Um, no, totally. And I'm sure that's exactly what they were going for or hoping yeah. Yeah. you guys would have when going into that world. And I completely agree. I mean, that was one of the things I was anticipating. It might sound strange, but of all the cool stuff galaxy's edge one of the things i couldn't wait to see was how you go into act the actual part of the park where you're in batu and the transition and like you said i just loved it that like that little cave entrance but that music that you mentioned i just such a small little touch but it adds so much atmosphere to the experience and just the excitement of knowing okay we're about to go into this world that's in star wars and when you haven't experienced that for the first time, it's just a really cool feeling knowing that you're making your way to Batsu and you're going to have a Star Wars experience like never before. And it really just amped up that excitement I had just walking under that archway into the galaxy's edge. It was just a really cool way I felt to experience it for the first time where you're going from one transition to, like you said, Frontierland into Star Wars, <laughs> nothing but Star Wars. And it really had a cool effect on me as I was entering in and just my smile getting bigger and bigger as we're getting closer and closer and you see the different mm. buildings and structures that look familiar in a galaxy far, far away. And you're going to be entering that land. It was just a really cool way to take your first steps into a larger world at that moment. It was really, really cool. Yeah. It was, it was weird because when I was walking, it, it, it definitely, they definitely do a good job of kind of make it secluded from everything else in a sense to where they have that big rock uh, kind of walkway and with the music, it definitely helps. And it's cool because it takes you a little bit of time to kind of get into that part of the area. And it definitely kind of transforms you into like the land of Star Wars. And I but as we all know, you know, or, or as, as between the three of us, when we were walking in, it was cool, but it wasn't like I, I I wasn't like transformed or you know transferred I guess to a galaxy far far away quite yet. I mean I was starting to like seeing the different familiar buildings. Like, I started get I started feeling you know somewhat immersed. I'm like oh it looks cool. It definitely looks Star Wars and it def the building the the structures the buildings they all looked and felt like this was in the Star Wars universe. They definitely nailed that and I avoided a lot of spoilers online and obviously. Um, that you can't avoid everything, but for the most part, 
I avoided things, and I really felt they did a great job of capturing a very natural Star Wars just habitat, if you will, or you know, just regular town structure. So, but yeah, it was cool going in there at first, but obviously the and we have I have a video that I'm going to eventually put up uh, like a little, a little mini one minute review of Galaxy's Edge at some point uh, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, Sean had actually videotaped me walking into Galaxy's Edge uh, for the first time, and I'm smiling. But then he also got the three of us actually smiling at the you-know-what, which, Kyle, if you want to take <laughs> it away from here, you can you can go ahead. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I think <clears throat> probably the two biggest reveals that we were all most looking forward to was just seeing the inside of Galaxy's Edge for the first time. Um, and just seeing the buildings and the structures and sort of the Star Wars feel of it all. But then, of course, the big sort of set piece um, was then seeing the Millennium Falcon for the first time. And mm -hmm. so and you can't see that right from the entrance. You have to walk through a little bit. And so we got to kind of go through some of the, the streets and alleyways and stuff. And then, um, you know, you come around a, a, another bend and boom, there it is just sitting in that docking bay is you know just a giant life-size millennium falcon and it was crazy it was weird because i remember my first reaction to seeing that was it was a little bit smaller than i was expecting only because like <laughs> and and like you said like i i've mostly been trying to avoid spoilers and stuff but obviously like i've seen pictures of that like my sister had already been to galaxy's edge and i you know she posted a picture of herself in front of the millennium falcon and everything and so that was the one thing that I kind of was just like expecting to be like larger than life and like, oh, that's the one big thing. And then when it's there in front of you, it's like, I mean, it's still awesome that there's this life-size Millennium Falcon right there, but, you know, it's almost like it can't quite live up to the expectation in your head of like, you know, this ship that you've been watching in movies since you were four years old and you're like, oh, that that's it right there. Um but, uh, I mean, still, that was just, you know, that was awesome. Um, and then, of course, we all went and took group pictures in front of it and stuff. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a pretty special moment. It, you know, one thing that I will say is I never thought it looked small. It, it may be, and it probably is in, in, in retrospect, or not retrospect, but in, when, in hindsight, when you think about how big the Falcon is in the movies, maybe, but... I never thought that, and I can't wait to post that video, guys, because the video, I don't know if I sent it. I think I sent it to you. I'm not sure if I did or not, but. No, I haven't seen it. I'll, I'll send it to you guys tonight. Um, you, we, all three of us are just like, we the biggest grins on our faces. <laughs> From you and, here, I imagine. Right, yeah. right. And uh, we're, we're all three of us, I think mostly me and Kyle, though, I think we're, we're going, oh, and, and. I actually put my hands on my heart <laughs> and, you know, like legitimately just in like, just in not, I wasn't, I mean, I was emotional and not like a, oh, I'm going to cry, but it was kind of overwhelming. It hit you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It hit me like from in the gut. Like, I can't believe I'm, 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 I'm up close to something that is tangible for me to touch that I grew up loving and grew up just, again, the Millennium Falcon and Star Wars are, are things I grew up. I I only knew a world of Star Wars when growing up, and I just connected to the, these characters in this world in this universe. 
since, you know, I can imagine. And that kind of all hit me when I saw the Falcon. I mean, you don't really, Batu itself doesn't hit you necessarily right away. But when you see the Falcon, that's when it really hits you. And if you're a big Star Wars fan, even though you know the, what's what's coming, it you just seeing it in person is just magic. It's straight magic. And it's something that you you don't really expect to be as as impactful. And I think all three of us would agree that it impacted us way more than we probably were anticipating. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't want to speak for either one of you, but I would say that that's probably the case, right? Am I, am I, am I off on this? I mean, I don't know that I would say it's, it was more impactful than I was anticipating because again, like I knew that seeing a life-size millennium Falcon up close was going to be a big moment, but it was definitely impactful. Maybe not more so than anticipated, but just because I anticipated it to be pretty darn impactful (laughs) and it was. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, me, you guys, and I'm sure everyone who sees it for the first time has the exact opposite reaction that Luke has when he sees it for the first time. (laughs) Instead of saying, what a piece of junk, we say, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. (laughs) I mean, it's funny because, like you said, Paul, we've known Star Wars and the Millennium Falcon pretty much our whole lives. And we know what it looks like, you know, front to back and different aspects of it. But for me personally, going into Galaxy's Edge, I knew seeing the Falcon was going to be cool. I was looking forward to taking pictures in front of it. But that, of course, wasn't the main thing I was excited about. I mean, getting to ride Smuggler's Run, yes, and Rise's Resistance, yes. But seeing the Falcon in person that close and just what a great replica they made of it to make it look so lifelike it took me back of how much it impacted me on seeing it for the first time like i said i had a smile from ear to ear just in awe of staring at the millennium falcon right in front of you it was just really really cool and taking the pictures in front of it was great and then also as you make your way through the queue of smugglers run you're inside and you can see it throughout the window and i just couldn't help but stare at it every time we You'd see it through a window. There's other stuff to look at while you're waiting, but I always always go to the Falcon. It's just that thought of, I can't believe I'm looking at the Millennium Falcon right there. So I would say it definitely was more impactful than I was anticipating going into it. I knew it was going to be cool, but it hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting, and it just made it that much more special to have that be part of the experience of Galaxy's Edge. So yeah, seeing the Falcon for the first time, it was just, you said the perfect word, Paul. It was a magical experience. And yeah. We couldn't get enough pictures in front of it. You different couldn't. angles, different uh, camera people, some better than others, who <laughs> <laughs> actually work at the park at night. So there's just different ways we wanted to take pictures of the Falcon. And it, man, it was just so cool. You didn't want to leave that spot at certain points. So, it's, yeah. Yeah. It sucked because I kept trying to get people you want to get the falcon and no one else around it you want to feel isolated with the falcon at least i did i did not want anyone around me and so and everyone wants the same thing and it was just kind of i do wish they had someone at disney being a little more uh controlling traffic to help people not just take their pictures but help them like get people out of the pictures or get you know so it took a while for us to get it took a while for us to get kind of you know, some good pictures, but Sean actually did a great job of getting some great pictures of us with our phones um, that I loved. And uh, so, yeah, it's um, 
I, I was really impressed with with how he, he got some great pictures of us. Which have we put those up for our profile or not profile, but our uh, our cover picture yet? Oh yeah, there's, there's one of them. There. I, yeah. I changed our I changed our cover picture to one of them with the three of us. Okay, good. I, I don't remember say. who took that one, but it's it's with the three of us in front of the Falcons. Oh, well, right. That, yeah, I don't really care who took it, but I, I wanted to make sure we got we we had we had some rep- representation of that. Come on, we oh, gotta do course. that. But uh, but no, that was that to me. So I think was, that's the first time we've ever had a cover picture with like the three of us on there instead of just you know Star Wars characters or something. Yeah, <laughs> well, there, we, we are Star Wars characters now. We went to Batu. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. But no, it was. The pictures was was so much fun, and then you said it best, Tim. When you go, I think that what's really underrated about Galaxy's Edge is that they've done a great job. I think of really of going the extra mile to give it a real Star Wars feel, and really absorb everything and make it seem like you are as much as you, as immersive as it possibly can. I think uh, you said it, I was curious, Kyle. You kind of before you answer this, I you did mention like you were. It wasn't as immersive as everyone kind of, a lot of people have kind of said, but I will give some credit to it that like in the ride for Smuggler's Run, when you're when you're walking or you know in line up into your, your the cockpit, you see the Falcon outside and it really does feel it makes it even more special, I think, mm-hmm. that it, you get to kind of experience it and look at the Falcon and all these different angles. I thought that was a really genius idea, to be honest. And I gotta say that I thought the overall design of Galaxy's Edge was really impressive, and and how they just kind of structured it, and and I know they had limited space to deal with it, but I felt they did, they did a lot with the little space they did, and obviously they'll probably expand it as over time as as you know things you know, whatever I don't know, I don't know how Disney works necessarily, but it definitely I felt they they did a lot with a little if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean. I don't even know if I would say they did a lot with a little like it felt like I mean, obviously, there's not a ton of stuff in there. Like there's two rides. There's a bunch of shops like they could have made it bigger, I guess. But it doesn't feel small or cramped. Um, I mean, to me, at least, I mean, it felt like a good size for for a Star Wars expansion. And it did feel I mean, you know, as far as this, the whole story that they've built around it of Black Spire Outpost, it felt like you were in an outpost on a star Wars world, you know, and it didn't feel like a little miniaturized version of it or like it was too small or anything. I mean, and there's, you know, plenty of, of, uh, streets and alleyways and stuff and, you know, enough that you can almost kind of get lost in there. I mean, I was, at least I was the one like checking the map and trying to figure out where we were going. Um, but yeah, I, I thought they did a great job. I mean, like you said, just the layout of it is great. Um, the design of it is, is really well built. I did say when we were in there the first time, like it didn't quite blow me away right off the bat as much as I thought it would, because I've heard so many people say that like, it's so immersive and it's the closest you're ever going to feel like to being in star Wars. And, um, I, it's, you know, you can tell that you're still in Disneyland. I mean, when you're waiting in line for a ride or waiting in line for food or whatever, like it, it does feel you know, it, it does a good job of capturing that Star Wars universe feel, um, but you also do kind of feel like you're in a a Star Wars expansion of a Disney park. Like it, you can't, you kind of can't quite shake that. Uh, you know, some of those Disney trappings of it, or just feeling like you're in a theme park. 
Um, but I will say, I think I enjoyed it more like the longer we were there because, and I, it's funny cause I say this all the time with like seeing Star Wars movies and stuff for the first time too. It's like once I kind of get over my expectations of what I thought it was going to be and just enjoy it for what it is, I always enjoy it more. So being there, once we had been there for like two or three hours, it was almost, <laughs> to Skywalker. It, it was almost like watching a movie again. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm sorry. I said, it. The, with the one exception, Kyle, is Rise of Skywalker. Even that, I liked it the most on my third time. And then my opinion just backslid. But um, anyway, that's a discussion for another time. Um, but yeah, so I, I think just the the more we just kind of hung out there and the more I got used to it, I almost did feel a little bit more engrossed in like I was engrossed in this Star Wars setting because I wasn't. You know, it wasn't so much that it hit me like right off the bat, but it was just kind of like once you get settled into it and explore all the little nooks and crannies of it and stuff. Um, and obviously, yes, you're still at Disneyland. You're still going to have to wait in line uh, for rides. You're still going to have to, you know, pay for food and whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, they have done just about a cl as close of a job as you can to making a Disneyland expansion and making it feel like Star Wars. Um, so just overall the, the whole design and, and just, um, you know, their, uh, their ambition for it, I think was, you know, just about as good as it possibly could be. Um, but then let's talk about the actual ride itself. So, cause that was kind of like the first thing we did was we went and got in line for the smugglers run ride, um, which was actually pretty long. And I was a little... I mean, you're not disappointed, but, you know, you hear the, you'd heard a lot of reports, people saying like, oh, Galaxy's Edge is empty. You know, I went there and they said that the line for Smuggler's Run was going to be like 45 minutes and it only took us 15 minutes and there was nobody in line for it and whatever. And it's like, well, on the one hand, I obviously want this to be popular and I want it to do well. On the other hand, I would love to wait 15 minutes in line for Millennium Falcon ride. Yeah. Um, but man, the first time we went on it, I think we waited like, uh, an hour and 15 minutes yeah somewhere around there it was it was definitely packed and you could definitely tell i'm pretty sure there were a lot of people that had the same idea of waiting until after rise of the resistance was open um to go and experience galaxy's edge and do everything all at once um because yeah the i mean the place seemed pretty busy and i've heard like pretty much ever since galaxy's or ever since rise of the resistance opened it's been pretty busy um, and every, you know, every day the boarding passes for that have been filling up like right as soon as the park opens. So, um, yeah, so we had to wait a long time in line for, for smugglers run. Um, and I mean, the queuing area for that is pretty cool. You know, you see the, the shipping docks and stuff and all these, you know, crates and containers, um, for that was the one, the weakest aspect of the queue because probably because we were there the longest and it was just when yeah. it was starting to get really hot. <laughs> I was looking at his crates and boxes. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Okay, let's get this moving a little bit. I mean, that in particular wasn't like super exciting, but I at least appreciated like the the decor of it. Um, you know, tried to have that in universe feeling. But yeah, you're right. We were stuck by those shipping crates for a long time. Um, but then you know you go inside and like Hondo talks to you and all this stuff, and then. Um, the, this was another, probably the other cool reveal aside from just getting to see the Millennium Falcon from the outside was being in it for the first time. Oh yes. Um, just seeing, you know, the, uh, interior of the ship, getting to sit there at the degeric table and, and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, by the way, I hope we're not spoiling this too much for anybody that still hasn't been yet. I mean, this is stuff that, you know, a lot of people have been posting pictures of and stuff like that. I will say, once we get to Rise of the Resistance, I want to stay pretty non-spoilerish about that, because there's some really cool surprises in there. Um, but as far as Smuggler's Run, um, I mean, yeah, you get to sit in the Millennium Falcon, um... And it's almost like a, like where the where the Dejeric table is and everything. That's almost like a little waiting area before you actually go into the cockpit where you do the ride. So you just kind of kind of get to chill in there and like take pictures and just enjoy like take in the experience of being on the Millennium Falcon. Um, and then you I go, was surprised how quickly they called us though because I was expecting to hang out there a little bit <laughs> longer yeah. than we actually did. Yeah, especially after waiting in line for like an hour, then you finally get in there and it's like, oh, 30 seconds later. Um, yeah, for as long as we waited in like the shipping crates area, that's how long I wanted to wait in the actual Millennium Falcon part of the queue. Yeah. Because it looked incredible. It was, I mean, just like I said, sitting on the chairs in the, the Jarek table, it was awesome. <laughs> but again, it kind of went by so quick because we got called real fast. So I wish they would have given people a little more time to take everything in, take more pictures and all that stuff, but still cool to experience nonetheless. Yeah, did a great sure. job. Um, and then they call you, you, you know, you take your group and you go in there and everybody's got these little cards that they hand out that tells you what your job is going to be um, for the flight crew. And so you got two pilots, two gunners and two engineers. Um, and then you get to go and sit in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, which, you know, again, just one of those really cool moments. Um, the first time that we went, I know I was one of the pilots. Tim, were you the other one or did you pilot it the second time? I piloted the second time because I actually wanted to be the gunner first. And I know we were talking about um, who's going to do what. And Sean and Justin were the only ones who've been on it before. And they kind of looked at me like, you want to be the gunner, not fly? Because <laughs> say you don't really – the best part about Smuggler's Run is being a pilot. But going yeah. into it, I wanted to just kind of sit back, experience the ride, kind of like a start tourist type of thing. And also, you know, hit the button to fire some blasters at some TIE fires. That should be cool. So, blaster isn't that bad, I have to say. I did a blasters once, and it was all right. It was fine. Yeah. yeah. So but, I did want it just to take in the ride and not worry about crashing into things and make sure I'm piloting good. So that was like my me. first experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Paul. Were you, so, Paul, were you the one flying it with me the first time? Yes. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, I couldn't remember time, who else so, was in there. Yeah, so when, when we start going, flying the Falcon, I'm just kind of – like Tim just said, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking it all in, and all of a sudden I hear – Paul. but it's like but you know in the movies it's like you're dreaming and you only hear it like kind of like in the same <laughs> uh, yeah. sequence that's what it was like it was paul paul and as as i started waking up it was like paul and when i crashed into the thing because oh <laughs> i was just so enamored with what was going on and um no it was a lot of fun i, dude, I thought people definitely dogged smugglers run and said it was okay i think it's a great ride man i thought it was awesome yeah, I thought it was pretty fun. I mean, it was now we went on it twice. And the second time I was the gunner. The first time I was the other pilot and piloting it is definitely the best part. Um, like, especially because I was in the seat where like when you take off, um, like the lever lights up and Hondo's telling you what to do the whole time. And he's like, you know, left pilot, you know, pull the thing and send this into hyperspace. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I get to pull the hyperspace lever. And like, you know, you actually pull the lever and the stars streak around you. And I was like, oh, man, this is freaking cool. Yeah, so um, small details like that. It just makes it so awesome 
not because it's yeah. an iconic lever. Yeah. Pulling that, going to lights me in the Falcon. I mean, that's amazing to do that. Jeez. Yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely is like a video game. But I feel like it's Star Tours, an interactive Star Tours. Exactly. And it basically I, is like a Star Tours level where you just get to push buttons and pull levers and stuff. So, and you know what? I think that's cool. Yeah, it it didn't blow me away, but it was definitely fun. Like I I enjoyed it. I'm glad we got to do it. It was worth doing a couple times. Um, but I will also say <laughs> with, with the caveat that, um, I think if we had gone before rise of the resistance was open and that was the only, that was the only ride they had available, I probably would have been a little underwhelmed. Um, yeah, I could see that. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely fun. Definitely worth checking out. Um, especially if you can go when, you know, some of the lines are shorter. Um, I know later in the day, uh, even, heck, even the second time we went, the line was like maybe half an hour as opposed to like yeah. 75 minutes yeah, that we yeah. waited the first time. Um, I, you know, I, I went with, uh, randomly my, one of my cousins, uh, and his uh, family was at Disneyland. They live in San Diego and they go all the time and they happen to be there at the same time. So my cousin Jeff and his daughter, um, we went through uh you, we had separated at that point you guys were doing space mountain which i was never doing space mountain <laughs> and uh it was like an evening at this point and my cousin got a hold of me and uh we uh went through uh the the whatever the smugglers run together and it was really cool because they gave us uh usually you have what four or six people mm -hmm. uh in, in the thing we only did it with three of us and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, so, that had to be really, really so it cool. Was, so it, since these are the cousins on my on my dad's side, it was all we're all Hermans. So all the Herman, it was it was basically the Hermans manning the the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was really neat. They kind of let us do our own thing at, at night, and uh, he it was funny because he he goes all the time, and he said, "Man, they never do this," <laughs> you know. And I'm like, "Okay, that's 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 cool, I guess." So. Yeah, I, I thought Smuggler's Run was is I, I love the, the the stuff that all the opportunities you get to kind of you know in the in the wreck area if you will the Falcon I think that's a good idea they they definitely don't give you as much time time as you think but at the same time I feel that it, you get almost enough time as long as people are being respectful of like you know obviously the the, the generic table and we have some great pictures of that with us and and of me my my facebook my facebook profile now is me and that and that's pretty cool so yeah it's uh it was it was it was cool i i, I thought it was it was definitely a, a ride that was great but like you said kyle if that was the only ride at galaxy's edge without rise of resistance that's i would still love it and I still love Galaxy's Edge, but it would be a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, it sure. would it would leave you wanting more. Exactly, which um, isn't a bad thing necessarily. Yeah, true. Um, but anyway, so let's talk for a little bit about before we get to the the other ride, the Rise of the Resistance. Um, I just want to talk about some of the other, you know, the food and the shops and the the <laughs> some of the other things that make up just the whole experience of Galaxy's Edge. First of all, we went there planning to all go drop 200 bucks on the Savvy's Workshop where you uh, build, you know, build your own custom lightsaber, uh, which we ended up not doing because 
apparently like I knew that you could book it in advance, but I thought it would be one of those things where like you show up first thing in the morning, book an appointment for later in the day. No, it was all booked up all through the rest of the day. And like we stopped by a couple times and checked to see like if they maybe had any openings, like, you know, if there was a no show or something and, you know, they were still booked. So we didn't end up getting to do that, which I feel like was maybe a bit of a. I don't know if I want to say a blessing in disguise. I know, Paul, you oh, kind of changed. Well, I know you kind of changed your opinion <laughs> on those custom lightsabers once you saw them. I still want to get one, but it also allowed us to, uh, shall we say, free up resources to spend on other things. Um, and I, yeah, I was yeah. planning. I, I went in there planning to be pretty conservative. I was like, I'm gonna like that two hundred bucks on the lightsaber. That's gonna be like the bulk of my spending money, and I'm penny pinching on everything else. And as soon as we realized that we weren't doing that, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to buy little trinkets here and there, and I'm going to, you know, try all the different food stuff and everything. So I tried the blue milk, uh, which was actually pretty dang good. Um, but yeah, the thing. You let it, each of us have a sip, and I will concur. It was good. <laughs> I was curious to see what it would taste like, but it did have not a refreshing taste, but, you know, just a satisfying dessert. Yeah. Taste. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was. It was it's got kind of like a fruit smoothie kind of texture to it, but it's also a little more, it's a little more liquidy. Like it's not as thick as a, it's not as thick as like your typical smoothie would be, but it's also not completely liquid like milk. Um, and I think it's made with milk. like rice milk. It's like non-dairy or something, but it's, so I don't know. It's, it's somewhere like well, halfway in between there. It's, it's a little we can thicker. We can definitely say it's not the best drink there. No, something else. I, I was <laughs> getting to that. Whoa. So Justin turned us on to the Melu run juice, um, mm, which is really just I, I actually I tried to look up the recipe online and I couldn't find it. I wanted this so much. Um, I was like I was thinking about our recording the other day. I, I was thinking about us, you know, that we were going to be recording about Galaxy's Edge and I was just kind of going through memories and things I wanted to talk about. And I just started getting a craving for this Melu run juice again. So it's basically... <laughs> and then you texted that to us and then I got a craving for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, let me just go to Disneyland right now, pay 120 bucks, get a Melu run juice and walk out. That's it. <laughs> yeah, they, hey, you could do that anytime you want. And then you can just bottle it up and ship it to me. Um, <laughs> smuggle melu run juice so. there you go that's what smugglers run is for <laughs> um but yeah man it's it's like their own blend of juices that they make there and i forget exactly all what's in it um you can find that online i couldn't find like an exact recipe of how to measure it out or whatever but i found you know just like a picture of the menu from galaxy's edge that tells you what's in it um but man was it delicious um now that was a refreshing drink. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. It's refreshing. It's sweet. But the thing I loved about it, even though, again, it was a blend of like just all these different fruit juices, probably just, you know, all stuff you can find at the grocery store. Um, it didn't taste like anything that you could like put your finger on. You know what I mean? It, it didn't taste like fruit punch or orange juice or whatever. I mean, it was like thick and purple and... Yeah, it, it was kind of like sweet and syrupy, but like you said, it was also like very refreshing. Um, and that, yeah, there wasn't like one flavor that you could put your finger on. It definitely tasted kind of alien and kind of weird, but also just so good. So that was the standout for me as far as of all the food and drink stuff. Um, man, I would go back just for that Melu Run juice. 
yeah, <laughs> it was really good. That's pretty much what we all kept talking about for a good portion of our time at Galaxy's Edge. I know Justin went back. He almost got like four or five of them or something. Like I that. thought he got three, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got more than that. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. And at the same spot, I, I had the Ronto wraps, which was pretty much the only, I guess, main dish that I got at Galaxy's Edge. I know they had several different ones, but that was actually pretty good, too. As much as I hate to eat a Ronto, but they were <laughs> delicious. <laughs> so I got that. And then for breakfast, we went, I forget the actual name of the spot we went to, but I got just a small breakfast, the Mustafar cinnamon roll or the Mustafar muffin, something like that. Yeah, it was the Mustafar cinnamon roll. And I will say of all the food that we had there, that was the only thing I wasn't impressed with. It was mostly just because it like wasn't warm. It was just kind of like room temperature. Yeah. And I'm like, man, if you're going to have a cinnamon roll, it's got to be hot and fresh. And if you're calling it Musafar, too. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really hot. I actually like, I don't like cinnamon rolls usually, and I ate that, and that actually wasn't that bad. I thought, because it, it actually wasn't almost like a cinnamon roll at all, if that makes any sense. <laughs> they have like these raspberries and some type of berries yeah. on top of it, too. Which I, I, liked, I liked that, which I was so hungry, because you guys made me miss breakfast, and I really wanted a nice hefty <laughs> breakfast, and I will, I will forever hold that against you guys. Oh, come on. Which, we made up for it the next day. We went to Roscoe's oh, Chicken and Waffles. God. Oh, that was incredible. By the way, we next time we all hang out, we are getting chicken and waffles again. So just just know that. Oh, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So the food, I, I had to run real fast when you guys were talking about it, but I'm assuming you guys talked about the Moulet Run juice. Oh, oh of yes. course. Yeah. Okay, so really, I just want to say for the record, it was very nice of Kyle. He bought us all Moulet Run juice. Yes. And that was, it was ridiculous how good it was. It was ridiculous, and I really, really, really uh, just want to drink some more. So hopefully, maybe at celebration, if we're all able to go, uh, we can uh, we can maybe somehow sneak into Galaxy's Edge somehow, and uh, we can get some more Melu Run juice. Well, shoot, together. even if I can't make it to yeah. celebration, I'll drive out there anyways just to go get some Melu Run juice. There, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's funny that Star Wars Rebels episode fight or flight. Is not going to go down as one of the series' best, but I think we'll forever be grateful for it now for giving us mainly mm-hmm. one fruit. I actually like oh, that episode. Okay, I, I think that's one, that's one of the better. For, I think it's one of the better seasons or uh, of the more fun episodes, like less consequent, uh, yeah. more in, inconsequential episodes. It's actually not one of the better inconsequential inconsequential ones, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so. no, I I like that's that one true. too. I mean, like you said, it's it's not like great, but it's just kind of a, a light, breezy, fun one. Um. But yeah, it's funny because they had like props of those, you know, they had like a basket of Melu Rens or something um, in the restaurant where we were eating breakfast at. And Tim, you were trying to give me a hard time because you were like, oh, Kyle, are those your favorite uh, Jogan fruit? Yeah, which, that's what I first thought they were. <laughs> which is, you know, one of those inconsequential episodes from Clone Wars that is not a good episode, which is evil plans when R2-D2 and C-3PO go shopping for fruit for an entire episode. Um, I like that episode. I hate that episode. But Cad Bane's in it. How could you hate it? I don't know, Paul. How do you make a bad episode with Cad Bane in it? I don't know, but they did. It was. You're such a hater. Uh, anyway, of that and like three other Clone Wars episodes. Um, the Poison anyway. Kool Aid episode is unforgivable. Wait, what? We all can agree yes, there. That is true. The Poison Kool the Kool Aid episode. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's another one on uh, my list. That's the worst one ever. 
I'd watch Into the Void 24-7 over that any day of the week. That's the one where I'll fight anyone on, Sunny Day in the Void. <laughs> Even though I wasn't a head full of people actually enjoys it. But That's another one on my infamous four. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so no, the, it was not Jogan fruit. It was the Melu Run fruit. And then little did we know that later on in the day, we'd all get hooked on that Melu Run juice. Um, yeah, that stuff was amazing. Um, aside from that, um, I didn't try that Ronto wrap, but I got, so for lunch, I got like a fried chicken thing, um, which is basically, it's weird cause they, they have like, you know, regular human food that they sort of like cook or shape a certain way to make it look like, you know, space rations and stuff. And so it was basically like this giant fried chicken tender that was like cut into like a square shape. It almost looked like one of Luke's like ration sticks or something. Um, but then it was like laid on a bed of mashed potatoes. That was pretty good. Um, didn't like blow me away, but I mean, I was, I was satisfied with it. It was a little pricey, but I mean, it was, it was good for the price. I, one thing I will say, especially for it being Disneyland and you know, they're going to charge a premium for, you know, stuff at their theme parks and especially cause it's star Wars. Like they know people will pay for it, but I didn't feel like anything there was overpriced. Like it was all either pretty reasonably priced or anything that was kind of pricey was like, eh, at least it's worth it. You know, like whether it was food that was really good or whether it was, you know, souvenirs and stuff that were like, oh, this is kind of expensive, but this is actually a really cool little thing. The only thing, and I'll, I'll I don't want to jump too far ahead because I want to talk about the food a little bit more, but the one thing that I thought was overpriced and not worth it was the holocrons. Um, but we'll come back to that. Um, but, uh, yeah. Oh, and so as far as other food stuff, I mean, I tried, um, they had like a popcorn stall. And so I tried, they had like this alien popcorn mix, um, that was pretty good. Um, and then for dinner, we actually left the park and went to In-N-Out Burger. Cause by that point, I think we were all done spending money in the park. And then we came back to the park later. You definitely um, made that concession for me, which I appreciate. So thank you, both of you, for letting me go to In-N-Out that night, which was delicious, by the way. Yeah, why are you making it sound like that was some big hard favor to do? Well, we had a drive, and I know maybe – I think Justin maybe wasn't super keen on leaving the park, but I think we were. or So, so I thought someone wasn't into it, and I thought it either you I or, think or, or Justin. I was more – I wasn't – super keen on leaving and then coming back. Cause I was like, I was already, uh, I was already tired by that point, but you know, we ended up still having a good time when we came back. I was, I was dead exhausted the next day. And I think that's probably part of why I ended up getting sick, but it was all worth it. <laughs> um, fair. also there was a hilarious story involving, uh, Paul using the bathroom at in and out burger while the rest of us all went and waited in the car. And then he, <laughs> and then he came out and <laughs> couldn't find us in the parking lot. Um, <laughs> and he oh, was, wow. he was wandering around looking for the car. Justin honked at him and he looked right at us and then turned and kept walking. Oh man, man, you know me too well already, Tim. You know me too well already. Wow. Um, oh. but uh, oh, and then we got to go in the cantina uh, towards the end of the night too. Oh, um, that was great. That, that was, was awesome. awesome. That was, I mean, one That's of my favorite things. Way better. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was trying to say, uh, that was way better than I was expecting. 
because I remember you were because we were going to do Scum and Villainy, which we never ended up doing because we were so exhausted from the day, you know, from walking, which, by the way, I because I, I track my steps walking because I I'm kind of turned into not a health nut, but I just I like to cr- like figure out how much I've walked in how much I can eat with all the calories I've burned and whatever. I'm very much into that right now and of, you know, whatever. And I always keep track of that stuff. And I walked 30,000 steps that day. I I believe it though. (laughs) It was insanity. But, uh, but yeah, but I remember thinking we were going to do that and and I was kind of like, eh, whatever. I, I haven't heard too many great things about the cantina, but again, I wasn't seeking it out because, of spoilers, but I wasn't, I thought you had to get a, you know, a thing in it. And, and Kyle, to your benefit, I really appreciated you on this, on this journey because you definitely, I would have been more like, eh, whatever you kind of pushed me to do the things I didn't necessarily, uh, I wouldn't say I didn't want to do, but just kind of like you pushed me more and just trying it out. And even though I wasn't always like, you know, gung ho to do it, you, I, I went with it and I'm so glad I did because you got us in, you helped basically, you know, you and Justin specifically pretty much instigated that whole, uh, Cantina thing. And it ended up being like way better and fun, more fun than I was anticipating. And it was a great atmosphere. There's a, there's a couple things I'd like for them to change maybe in the, in the, uh, in the, in the Cantina. But for the most part, it really did feel like I was in a, some kind of, uh, mo- uh not most icely, but some kind of star Wars, like nightclub, if you will, with, uh, with, uh, Rex being the DJ, which was, was a yeah. nice, that was pretty I cool. That. I, I, I didn't realize that, but, but I think I forgot, maybe one of you said it, I'm, I'm not trying to steal your thunder, but one of you said, and it might've been Justin, but I thought it was you, uh, you Kyle, but or maybe it was you, Tim, but um, one of you guys had said that they really need to have people dressed up as aliens in here to really make it immersive. And I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. I mean, imagine I think a Gamora. That might have been me. Oh, you know what it was? Because they have. So I don't know if this is for everybody because you can make reservations for the cantina. And we didn't have a reservation. Um, we just went and we were, you know, on the the walk-in list or whatever. And so essentially they walk you in and you just get to stand at the bar. You don't get to like sit in the booth. Um, but they tell you going in, it's a two drink limit per person and there's a 45 minute time limit. And I was, I was, you know, just kind of thinking out loud. We were all talking in there and I said, uh, I was like, man, I wonder how they like, in like how strictly they enforce that 45 minute time limit like are they actually watching people and timing people and do they come kick you out and then i said you know what they need is they need some like alien bouncers in here like how cool would it be if you were in there for 45 minutes and then some big old zabrak or a deveronian or something you know comes up to you and goes get out like you know that would just (laughs) add to the immersive feeling of it so that would have been a cool touch but unfortunately they didn't have that I, I just think that it'd be cool to have someone uh, dressed up, like I said, a good morning guard or, yeah. you know, um, so, something a bit maybe, you know, I mean, something like that. It doesn't have to be like, you know, every other, you know, 10, 20 actors, just maybe five actors walking around. And I have to say, too, I learned something about Star Wars uh, original trilogy, specifically A New Hope, that I had no idea before. And it was we're sitting at the bar and uh, we're talking and I I go, oh, it's so funny. They have IG-88 as like one of the drink, like, you know, head things here. Like, that's totally funny. And they said, well, yeah, because it's from A New Hope. I went, what? And he went, yeah. 
IG-88's head is, is a prop. They used they reuse an Empress Strikes Back as a droid from A New Hope. I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, yeah I don't think I, I'm I, aware I, of that either. So, <laughs> but oh, I see. I thought that was common knowledge for hardcore fans like us. I I had uh, no idea. We're not hardcore so anymore, I think, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, all right, I better I better I better leave. See you guys. Um, no, you, but you guys may read. Really... You guys may may know more about the novels and the comics than I do, but I've got you when it comes to droid head drink canisters. <laughs> right, no, right, right. <laughs> well, it was, you know, it's just funny because I, 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 I remember maybe something loosely like that, but it was. I just don't. I never realized that. So when I was looking at the the, the drink canisters at the on behind the bar. I just thought to myself, "Oh, this is a oh IJD." I thought that's really funny. And then when, when I think it was, again, it was you, Kyle, who told me that. I'm like, "What? I had no idea." I felt I, I definitely turned in my Star Wars card. So anyway, <laughs> I'm not worthy to be on this podcast anymore. See you guys. <laughs> nice knowing you, Paul. I'll, I'll, I'll join you. <laughs> Godspeed. We'll, we'll start our own. We'll be yeah, but yeah. We'll be. <laughs> we'll start a new podcast for second tier Star Wars fans. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean, the cantina was a really cool experience. Um, and that was one of those things, like, we didn't get to do that till the end of the day. But, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, that was one of those things where it really did feel immersive. Like, that was one of my favorite parts, just as far as where they, like, really nailed that Star Wars feel. Um, but the other, I mean, the the main part, we'll go back and talk about the, the other big thing now. Um, the, I, I think, of all... The entire Galaxy's Edge, the part that really does nail the feeling of being in Star Wars the most is the Rise of the Resistance ride. Um, now, like I said, we won't go too much into spoilers on this as far as what actually happens on the ride. Although, I don't know, maybe we can just give a spoiler warning at the end or something like that. But, um, I mean, you know, so what... Um, I guess, how do we start this? I'm trying to remember exactly sort of what the premise is as you're getting on it, but it's basically you're going into like a resist, you're going into a resistance base. Um, and it's cool because this, so this ride is actually like kind of on the outskirt of Galaxy's Edge um, or, uh, you know, on the outskirts of Black Spire Outpost. And it's like, so when you're, you're inside um, or when you're in the main part of Black Spire Outpost is, you know, of course, you got all the shops and the stalls and the, the food and everything. And then the big docking bay with the Millennium Falcon is right there. Um, but then you kind of go off and go down this path where it turns from the the town like atmosphere of the outpost. And it gets more sort of sparse and jungly and stuff as you're walking down this path. And then there's kind of like a remote resistance base. Um, and it's like the resistance is set up an outpost here, but they're kind of like on the outskirts of town. Um, and that's where you go to, you know, start getting in line for Rise of the Resistance. Um, and so the whole queuing area, you know, you're down like in the tunnels of this resistance base and there's like, um, you know, of course, supplies and crates and then the uh, like the glowing, um, forget exactly what you would call it, but, you know, like the hollow map kind of things that you see like inside the mm -hmm. rebel bases and stuff like that. Um, so again, you know, you're still waiting in line, but you know, they, they keep it atmospheric and feeling like star Wars. Um, but then you go and get on a resistance transport that is going to take you into, um, basically you're, you're supposed to like be going off on a mission for the resistance. Um, there's some X wings that escort you and, um, but you end up 
getting dragged into the middle of a battle with the First Order, and you end up on a First Order Star Destroyer. Um, and that's all I want to say as, as far as, like, what actually happens. Um, except for the fact that, like, there are scenery changes, there are uh, known characters from the movies that pop up. There's just lots of really cool stuff in there. Um, I don't know. I think you might just have to throw out a spoiler warning in, because... <laughs> I- Okay, fine. Well, there was somebody not to talk about it and geek out about it without going into detail. <laughs> somebody on our Twitter feed, you know, when we were talking about maybe it was on on uh, my post when I tweeted about it and talked about how amazing the ride was. One of our listeners commented and said, you know, I want a two hour spoiler free review of it. And I'm like, well, I don't know if we can talk about that for two hours without giving any spoilers on it. Um, so, OK, here's your official spoiler warning for Rise of the Resistance. We're going to break it down. Um, but I would heavily advise maybe don't listen to this if you're planning on going to Galaxy's Edge at some point, because, I mean, it's so cool to experience this for the first time. I mean, there was stuff in here, like, I think we all kind of had a general idea of what to expect, but there were some really cool surprises in here that I would hate to spoil for anybody, um... And take away, you know, from the amazement of getting to go see this for the first time. So maybe skip ahead unless you just don't care about spoilers or if you've got like short term memory loss and you're going to forget this tomorrow or if you have no plans on going to a Disney park anytime soon. Um, okay, so that said. Um, yeah, so the ride starts. You get on this resistance transport. Um and actually, uh, even well, getting on well, the... Tr- oh, go ahead, Tim. No, I was going to say, even before that, getting the hologram message from Ray was really yeah. cool. Seeing BB-8 roll out is they're telling you what to expect on the ride, but you make it like you're actually joining the Resistance, and they're trying to get you off Batuu because the First Order has found their location, and now the Resistance has to make their way out of there. But boy, almost like the feeling of seeing the Falcon for the first time when... You're in line for Rise of the Resistance, and the doors open to the outside areas. You're going to go in your transport. That was another moment where it's like, wow, we're actually in a Star Wars story right here. You got your mission. Ray just spoke to you. Those doors open. You walk out. You see Poe's black X-Wing. You see the transport you're about to go on. It's just You're living Star Wars right there, and mm-hmm. this is just the beginning of the attraction of Rise of the Resistance. I just kept thinking, wow, this is so cool, and we're just at the beginning of this thing. I cannot wait to see what's next. Just the way the experience kicks off of just throwing you into what's going to be a resistance first order battle, but you're just seeing those ships right in front of you and actually getting on one of transport is such a cool experience for any Star Wars fans to have. It was really, really cool and just a job well done by Disney and the Imagineers for coming up with just this opening sequence for the ride. And the best stuff was yet to come, but it started off with a bang just from blowing you away from the visuals of seeing these ships. Yeah, there are, they pulled off multiple really cool reveals on this ride where you're in like an enclosed area and then a door opens and you're in this new area and you're like, how did I get here? Because, mm-hmm. And this was the first one because, again, you walk in from the outside and then you spend a lot of time in line winding back and forth through these tunnels and stuff inside this resistance base. And then, you know, so finally when when your group gets called, you go in there and like you said, you watch that briefing where there's actually like a really cool looking hologram of Rey. I mean, it looks like an actual hologram transmission from Star Wars and she's talking to an actual physical BB-8 that's there. 
and then they yeah they send you on your mission and the doors open up and you're outside and it it doesn't look anything like you know it's like you can't see this from outside when you're getting in line you know you're almost like wait where mm -hmm. are we right now like we're obviously in some part of galaxy's edge that like we haven't seen before in some place that they had closed off um and yeah like you said there's pose x-wing there's the resistance transport you go get on it they shut you inside it um and then of course it's it's actually pretty cool so there's like view screens on the front and the back and you can see kind of what's transpiring like in front of you and behind you and you've got um like x-wings flying fighter escort with you as you're taking off um and then the first order of course shows up and so you you can like watch this battle unfolding in front of you and behind you and there's a really cool like continuity to it like you know you'll see an x-wing flying at you in the front it flies over and then you turn around and look at the back view screen and you see that same x-wing flying behind you and shooting down a tie fighter or something like that so it puts you in the middle of this space battle uh unfortunately all your wingmen get shot down except for poe so he takes off to go get help um and then you get captured by a first order star destroyer and get caught in the tractor beam and uh your your shuttle you know gets pulled into the star destroyer um and then you know and again the, the whole time as this is happening you're just watching this unfold on view screens and you're all standing there inside the resistance transport and then the door opens and you're in a giant like actual That's physical so star cool. destroyer hangar and i i was blown away like like i said this was the point where any reservations I had about this, you know, feeling like Disneyland and not really feeling like Star Wars, I was like, okay, now I'm in Star Wars because how <laughs> the heck did we just get on a Star Destroyer? Um, man, and it is just, it's a really cool feat of engineering how they pulled this all off. Um, but then, yeah, they got anima, they got probably like two dozen animatronic stormtroopers standing there waiting for you. That um, was amazing. Like I, when those doors opened, I saw it. I was like, I cannot believe what I'm seeing right now. <laughs> These stormtroopers, yeah, they're animatronics, but they still they did the job, and it just really created that atmosphere. Like you're on the Star Destroyer, and you're being taken prisoner, and the First Order is really on top of you and trying to escort you. And they're kind of this whole thing where they're trying to interrogate you later on. But just that feeling of walking out of that transport onto a, a Star Destroyer. And you see all these stormtroopers right in front of you. I was just blown away. I was just taking it all in at the same time, trying to get my phone and take some pictures with it. But at the same time, I don't want to take pictures. I just want to be so immersed with it and just take everything in. But mm -hmm. that moment really blew me away. And you'll probably hear that a lot as we're talking about Rise of the Resistance because there's multiple times that happens. But this was just another one where, again, thinking, how did they do that? How did we go from outside into the transport and the doors open. Now we're inside this interior of a Star Destroyer. It was just incredible. It was just such a cool visual of seeing that door open and all those stormtroopers. It was just mind-blowingly cool. Yeah. Now the other thing, the thing that's really cool about the design of Rise of the Resistance, it's almost like two separate rides. Mm -hmm. And so the first ride is like, you know, just kind of that simulator of being in that space battle while you're on the shuttle. Then you get into the Star Destroyer, and it's almost like you have to go get in line for another ride. Because then they have yeah. uh, Disney cast members who are there on the ship dressed up as First Order officers, and they're, like, marching you down the hallway, you know, into Definitely the, playing the, part. the <laughs> detention cell. Yeah, yeah, and they're all playing the part, acting like First Order officers. Um, now, I will say, I mean, this part took a... 
This part was a little slow and it did kind of break the immersion just a little bit because again, like, you know, okay, you like you're playing along, okay, you know, they're marching us to the detention cells, but it also did kind of feel like, okay, now this is taking a little bit longer to the point where like it feels like we're waiting in line, which is essentially what you're doing. Uh, I but know what you mean. Yeah. It did let a tad longer. At first you're just in awe of everything, like I said, and it is moving further down the Star Destroyer, but there was a point where you were standing still for a little bit where like you said it made you start thinking, how much longer is this going to take? Yeah, but I also still like appreciated the fact that they essentially disguised you waiting in line for the second part of the ride as, you know, they made that part of the experience. Like, you could just be standing, in, you know, standing around waiting in line, or you could be standing in the hallway of a Star Destroyer waiting to be marched into the detention area. Um, so even though it took a while, I mean, it, it was still a cool... It's definitely like my favorite experience of waiting in line for a ride. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. The most immersive. Um, so, you know, anyway, so they finally, you know, they they march you in there. They get you separated into your groups and whatever, and you get put in a cell. And uh, then you're like getting interrogated by Hux and stormtroopers and stuff. Um, and then uh, somebody from the resistance comes and like cuts through the wall of your cell and breaks you out and it's crazy like the it almost looks like they're cutting it with a lightsaber but i think it's just you know a cutting torch or something but like the chunk of the wall actually gets cut out um such a great effect man it was just that was another unexpected thing but worked so well like what's happening right now i mean it really plays it that you're being rescued from the resistance yeah really really cool so you get rescued by the resistance then you go into these it, you know, this is where kind of like the second part of the ride kicks in where, you know, your whole group gets seated in this big like car thing. Um, you know, like a, a ride car that's got maybe like 12 or 16 seats in it or something like that. Um, now, here's the thing that's really cool about this. I don't think these are actually on tracks like because i was looking down at the floor as we're flying around on this car and i didn't see any tracks that we were on i don't know nope, if you did but I, I think it was just like on wheels and it's probably uh you know just like drone controlled or whatever um which is also probably why this ride keeps breaking down so much unfortunately luckily that didn't happen to us um but i mean it broke down multiple times while we were there um but uh yeah so then you know, this car starts taking you through the Star Destroyer and, uh, man, you're just, you know, you're getting shot at by stormtroopers, you're rounding corners and hitting dead ends, and then you, like, run into Hux and Kylo Ren, and so then Kylo's chasing you, and at one point, again, you're in this, like, enclosed little corridor, big door opens, and you're in another giant hangar with, like, life-size AT-ATs. Mind-blowing, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Oh, well, there's another moment coming up that was almost the same, maybe more so, but this was a mouth drop moment where I think our just entire row, we just said, oh, wow, <laughs> seeing those walkers up close. And they're not visual, like video screens or anything. They're life-size models of Imperial Walker or First Order Walkers, I should say. And they looked absolutely incredible just driving past them in your car as you make your way to the ride. It was just so, so cool and just, yeah, mind-blowing. <laughs> and you didn't think it could get better than that, but it does. But that first moment of just 
seeing those walkers up close, it was just wow. Like I said, mouth on the floor. And we knew, or at least I did, this is because they made a big deal about this before Galaxy's Edge was even open or they were first starting construction that they were building these life-size walkers that are going to be in the park. And at first I just thought they were going to be kind of like how the AT-ATs at Walt Disney World just outside in the park. I thought that's what this was going to be. But later on, I found out it was going to be part of a ride. And boy, it did not disappoint seeing those up close and personal and making your way past them. It was just awesome. <laughs> just really, really cool. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Um, and it, like I maybe either just wasn't paying attention or just forgot, but I didn't remember that they said that they were building those uh, those life-size walkers. So I was completely surprised by that. Um, but man, again, just like such a cool, just jaw-dropping reveal coming through the door and seeing those for the first time. Um, and then, of course, like, so while you're in that area, there's like a battle going on between the Resistance and the First Order, and Finn is in there giving you orders and stuff. Um, Which was a cool animatronic of Finn, too. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that, but it looked really good as they're having a laser fight with the First Order. And he's in his Stormtrooper disguise, too. So just little cool stuff like that just help sell the immersiveness of the ride, too. Yeah, and again, I was surprised just how much physical stuff was in there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, physical character, like animatronics and, uh, you know, just physical sets, physical vehicles and, and everything. So... Um, yeah. And like you said, they easily could have just, you know, put it all on a video screen or, or whatever, but, um, it really did a good job of just like putting you in these real life Star Wars situations. Um, so anyway, so you're like getting away from the battle. Eventually Kylo Ren starts chasing you and there's a cool moment where like this, it's obviously an animatronic of Kylo, but he's moving pretty lifelike and is like using the force to, tug on the the cars and like try to pull you in towards him and then um there's like an explosion from the space battle outside and uh you know it distracts him for a while and you you're able to get away oh and then i almost forgot about this part i'm sure this is another one of the cool moments you were going to talk about when so obviously poe comes back with the resistance reinforcement so there's now a big space battle going on outside the star destroyer and you can kind of see the effects of that as you're going through. And sometimes like you'll pass these view screens where you catch glimpses of the battles going on outside. And at one point, uh, again, you know, another doorway opens and you're in like the gunnery bay of the star destroyer and your car is driving (laughs) under the giant turbo laser cannons. Um, and it's like that scene from the space battle in episode three at the beginning, you know, there's just those giant cannons, you know, churning out the big, uh, turbo laser batteries. So, um, that was just another cool, like, I, I, like I wasn't expecting that at all to just be, you know, in that area of it, but just, you know, getting to be in all these different immersive levels of this giant battle going on was just awesome. That might be my favorite part of the ride. And like you, I didn't, didn't know anything about that, thought it was coming, didn't hear any whispers about it, tried to go in spoiler free. And this is one of those moments where, yes, I was glad I did not know this was coming because this literally blew me away <laughs> with the blaster fire coming out of those cannons and i immediately thought what you just said i'm in the middle of the battle of coruscant right now <laughs> even though obviously it's not but that's what it felt like the only thing missing was seeing clone troopers you know at the at the seat of those gun turrets or those cannons 
blasting at uh, the separatist ships, but it was the first order resistance battle. But man, I could not help but think of that moment, Revenge of the Sith, because it's such a cool visual in the movie. And then you're actually experiencing that yourself. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. And just, just seeing the life size cannons up front was cool and going under it as they're firing. But then as you look to the other side, you're seeing the space battle. And yeah, that's where it's all this video screen, but I was not thinking that at all. It looked incredible. It felt like you were really there looking at a space battle as you're seeing those blaster fireworks come out of the cannon. It was amazing. I just wanted to stay there as long as we could. It it felt like we were kind of making our way through that area pretty quickly. I was like, no, I want to stay here. It is so (laughs) cool. This nothing could I felt put you in the middle of a battle of Star Wars quite like that moment right there. That just really, really blew me away. And there is another really great aspect of the ride coming up at the end, which arguably you could say is even more immersive and cooler than this. But for me, there is just something about this moment of being in this area of this great battle of two of one big Star Destroyer against some resistance pilots and TIE fighters out in space in your smack in the middle of it inside that Star Destroyer. It was just something really cool about it. And when I think about Rise of the Resistance, that is the most memorable part for me, where it's like, I cannot wait to, ex- obviously the whole ride again, but in particular, that moment. That's the one I cannot wait. And I'll look forward to experiencing the most whenever I get to ride Rise of the Resistance again. It was that impactful for me. It was just mind-blowingly cool. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, my favorite part was still just the just being on the destroyer for the first time and just that that first big reveal and kind of going like, how did we even get here? Like you're it almost doesn't make sense in your mind. Like, you know, obviously somehow like the the transport ship probably had like a car thing that puts you in this other area and it's but you know it's like i don't even want to think about it like i have no idea where we are right now we're probably underground somewhere obviously but that just set the stage for it and then everything else that came after was just you know just kept building upon that um like you're talking about whether it's the the walkers or the space battle like it, it just was nonstop just with with cool star wars moments that made you feel like you were right there in the action Yep. Um, it just makes you think, oh, I can't get better than this. Oh, it just did. Can't get better than that. Oh, exactly. wait, it just did. <laughs> exactly. Um, so finally, you know, you, you get through all this stuff and then your car like links up into an escape pod. Um, and then so the escape pod then like detaches from the destroyer. And this is where so now there's just like a video screen that's right in front of you. But now it's almost like you go on like a short little Star Tours ride where you're now watching through this video screen as your escape pod like drops from the destroyer and drops you into the space battle and you're like you're following along behind like some x-wings as they're shooting tie fighters and stuff um and then eventually like your pod just falls back to the planet um and that was the the drop part that paul was talking about when you just when the pod initially drops from the destroyer but um that was just another you know cool touch to it again then not like going from being on the destroyer watching this battle taking place to now feeling like you're in the middle of it even if it was just for a few seconds mm-hmm. um was just you know again just another one of those immersive star wars moments that just kept building and building and like i didn't want it to end i i was like okay you know we dropped out in this escape pod let's i wish we could have just drifted around in that battle for 10 minutes like watching it just happen all around us but um even though that part was kind of brief, it was just like the cherry on top 
to uh, to cap off the whole thing. Yeah, it ended with a bang. I was not expecting that to end that way too. Just being in an escape pod in the middle of a space battle, and you know nothing against Star Tours because I still love Star Tours and. The Rise of Skywalker updates it had for Star Tours, pretty awesome. <laughs> Going to mm-hmm. Kefir and obviously Exegol, those are really cool. But yeah, we did those this, a couple times too. This really felt it really put you in the middle of a space battle that Star Wars Star Tours couldn't. And maybe because you're in a smaller vehicle, your the screens is closer up to you, and it just really put you in the middle of it. And it was incredible. Again, there's one of those moments where everyone in the car in our group particular just like who is an oz and oh wow like, this is so cool <laughs> it was just a, an amazing way to end an amazing ride and it was, it's seamless too because you crash land back onto batu and then you make your way off of the cars and you know you're off the ride and it's done but it all felt so seamless like you really did land back on batu and you're just back at the resistance space that you entered from it was just a really seamless transition and just a great way for this ride's end and just man yeah i wasn't expecting that but couldn't ask for a better ending to an incredible star wars experience with how the Rise only of Resistance thing ended. i'll add because you guys are doing a fine job about this ride <clears throat> but is I, I the drop was what i was freaked out about and what <laughs> tim said tim actually i was ready to freak out when the drop happens i knew when it was going to happen tim was kind of to hold my hand because i was freaking out <laughs> I, was I, lot. I was i don't i appreciated it i was freaking out because i hate drops and for someone like me who hates drops it was actually really over before you even knew it but like tim said it was so seamless and immersive of a drop of emulating you in a uh, escape pod and flying through the battlefield of, of space and in back to the uh, Batu, it was pretty amazing. And honestly, the part that I was most scared of was probably is definitely my favorite part of the ride because it, because of that reason of it drops you, but it's over so fast. And, but it's so, it makes you feel like you're so part of the ride that you're really on a, <laughs> a skate pod flying down. It's, it's, it's insane. So definitely one of the best rides it's probably the best ride i've ever been on far none it's amazing yeah i would agree i mean this is definitely my new favorite i was gonna say my new favorite ride at disneyland but um or anywhere else for that matter that i can think of yeah i mean i really don't go too much pretty much any other amusement parts of the disneyland so i can't really speak to that but i have a hard time thinking there's going to be much more that's better than this especially for diehard star wars fans to get to experience a ride that's like rise of the resistance i mean it's unparalleled with its immersiveness just this fun aspect of a ride that it should have it was just crazy i mean we were all giddy getting off of the ride afterwards <laughs> we just all had big smiles on our face talking about the different aspects of the ride that blew us away we we're just thinking man this was incredible and so worth it so glad we got up early to get to the park ahead of time to get on this ride and just it just made the whole just the experience of galaxy's edge even better because now it almost seems impossible to think of going to galaxy's edge and not experiencing probably the best aspect of it with rise of the resistance so yeah just all in all almost a perfect star wars ride (laughs) that you can ask for it was just really really mind-blowing and just stays with you too because that's what we're talking about right now just thinking man want to go on it again Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
watch some YouTube videos of it after we went on it because now I could see all the stuff that I was trying to avoid. It was cool to experience it that way, but at the same time, it does not compare, obviously, to actually going on it and seeing it for yourself. It's just on a whole nother level. So definitely, if you go to Galaxy's Edge, you really got to try and make the effort to get on Rise of the Resistance. You will not be disappointed. And hopefully, I mean, as great as it is, it's hard to see the popularity of it die down to where they won't need the boarding pass system. But hopefully they'll get to that point because the only downside is that we were only able to go on it once. And mm-hmm. if we could, we would have went on it multiple times and stayed in line probably no matter how long it took. It was that good. You would wanted to experience it again. Yeah, definitely. But then again, I mean, I don't know if it ever will get to that point. I mean, I don't know if they're doing the, the boarding pass system um, now, like just because of how popular it is, or if that also is sort of necessitated by like just the nature of the ride and, and, I mean, again, the way that there's like a line also inside the ride and like how long it takes and everything. So um, I don't know. We'll see going forward if they if they ever do kind of open that up a bit more and if you are able to go on it multiple times in a day. But honestly, like once was enough, like and especially again, because like you said, like the story aspect of it, the fact that you like leave Batu and come back to Batu, it's not the kind of thing where you're like, oh, man, I want to jump in line and. Uh, or like jump back in line and just do that again. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, I did. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I kind of did, but at the same time, it's like, and it's a meaty ride. Like, I mean, I'm sure you guys could probably tell from how long it took us to describe everything on there, but, um, you know, most Disneyland rides you're on there for what, maybe like three to five minutes. Um, you know, maybe less if it's like, you know, a a shorter rider. I mean, I don't know how long Star Tours is. I mean, some of them might be a little bit longer, but this one is definitely like the lengthiest ride. Um, I think they have there. I mean, and I think depending on how long you spend in line, like for the, when you're on the, the first order ship, um, you know, you probably take anywhere from like 15 up to 20 or 30 minutes, maybe on this ride. I don't know exactly how long we were on there for, but um, I mean, you definitely get, uh, you know, a good amount out of it and it's not like, oh man, we got up early, we got here and went through all this rigmarole and then, you know, still had to wait in line for it. And then it was over in two minutes. It's like, no, this is an event and an experience. Yeah. Um, you know, and so again, like I was, it, it wasn't like this quick little thing that I'm like, oh man, I want to do that like three more times before the end of the day. It's like, no, nah, I feel satisfied with doing this once. Like that was definitely enough. Uh, yeah. Well, it was definitely, that was a thing too, where the story aspect, it does feel like it's the last thing you should do at galaxy's edge. I mean, if you're able to pick and choose when you want it to go on galaxy edge or rises resistance is the final story to galaxy's edge as you're trying to make your, way off the planet with the resistance and the first order found out. So if you could, everything worked out good, you start off with smugglers run, then the very last thing you do at galaxy's edge would be rise of the resistance and that's it. But if it's something where it's in, you want to do multiple times, I could easily see myself doing that. <laughs> it was just that cool. So yeah, I mean, it, hopefully it'll come to that at some point. Like I said, I, I was satisfied with just doing it once, but like if we had had the opportunity to go on it multiple times, yeah, let's be real. Of course I would have done it. It was amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think really the only other thing that we haven't talked about yet, um, 
as far as Galaxy's Edge was just the ridiculous amount of money that Paul spent on on trinkets. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, because so as far like I said, we didn't do the lightsaber thing. Um, but I think we got to check out all the other little shops and stuff like the Droid Bay, the um, the Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. Um, and then, you know, they had like the creature stall and the black spire outfitters and, uh, you know, then they had like a resistance shop and a first order shop and, um, you know, and lots of cool stuff to buy from all of those places. Um, and I do like how most everything is like in universe, like, you know, it's not just a bunch of like star Wars t-shirts and black series figures. They got all that stuff over at, um, the star trader or whatever it is, like the gift shop from, um, star tours, which is not part of Galaxy's Edge. Um, but all the stuff that, like, for the most part, all the stuff that you buy in Galaxy's Edge feels like something that you could buy in the Star Wars universe. And obviously, you know, it's all still Star Wars branded and Disney branded and stuff. But um, that was just another cool kind of, like, immersive little element to it. Um, I think I can probably safely speak for all of us when I say my favorite store there was Doc Ondar's because that's the place where there's, like, all the Jedi and Sith relics and stuff like yeah. that. That's where they got the holocrons, which, like I said, were unfortunately, I feel like, uh, kind of overpriced and looked kind of cheap. Um, but they also, like, I got a Jedi statue. I got a, uh, like, a Sith, like, goblet, I guess you could call it. It's like this, it's not really a mug. Like, it doesn't have a handle on it. But, yeah, it's like a goblet that's got, like, Sith runes and stuff on it and looks really cool. Um so yeah, that was, and then, you know, they, that's where they also sell the, um, like the legacy lightsabers, um, and you know, the holocrons and all that stuff in there. So, I mean, we went in there multiple times throughout the day and there was some other stuff that I like thought about buying and didn't buy, but, um, yeah, that I was regretted not buying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now that I've had time to think on it, I'm like, eh, you know, I was probably better off saving the money. Although, you know, can you ever have too much star Wars stuff? Not really, but. No. Um, yeah. No, but that was it was just fun to it was fun to just keep window shopping in there and take a look at all the stuff they had. But um I don't know, did you guys have a I, uh, a favorite souvenir that you left with? Well, can I uh you guys have talked a bunch about the rides. Can I talk about what I love, which is buying stuff and having <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Uh, well, all right, right, right. But let me let me let me take this one over cuz I I came in knowing I, was, I saved up a lot of money to blow on a lot of crap, and I did get a lot of trinkets, and I went back and forth on a lot a lot of different things, and you'll remember that excuse me that we talked about earlier in the show or Kyle did about doing the lightsaber thing, and I was ready to drop the two hundred dollars for that lightsaber, the custom lightsaber, but I noticed that. Um, uh, a couple things like uh, the, the some kids having those custom lightsabers uh, the night before, and they didn't look super great to me. And basically, the more I looked at the pictures, and they don't look—they're not like terrible looking, but they're—they they're, definitely look bigger than a normal like like a like replica like legends replica replica or hero replica uh, replica excuse me uh lightsaber but it definitely they definitely looked kind of plastic and i just i know part of it you're paying for the experience of that whole thing but i just could not get behind putting 200 dollars, even if they would have let us in you know 
whatever, or try to find an opening that night. I just couldn't do it. So I, uh, I, I automatically knew what I wanted to get instead, which was I, I got the uh, Jedi Temple Guard uh, yellow lightsaber, which sadly is not double bladed. I don't know why they didn't do that. Maybe it's because, you know, prices, I don't know. But I got to say that thing is beautiful. And it looked pretty awesome. <laughs> I, I, I think I, it's so worth it. Uh, it, it I, yeah, I, I'm so glad I got it. And uh, it, it looks great. It feels great. Um, I love the yellow blade. I definitely, I ha- I've said this before uh, with my with you guys, but I'm not sure if the audience has heard. But I'm not, I'm pretty much anti blue lightsaber right now, and it's Which because pains me to hear every time it, it does. But here's because blue was my favorite growing up. I always got bummed out when Luke loses it in Empire Strikes Back, and I've blue was always my favorite lightsaber of, of the saga. Or of Star Wars until the sequel trilogy, because in the sequel trilogy happened, I kept assuming, oh, we're going to get green, you know, we're going to get a little more variety. No, we literally just got blue until the very end of Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker, which we got yellow. But for the rest of the movie and the rest of the trilogy, it's pretty much blue, 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 blue. Anytime uh, or even, um, you know, Leia, she has a lightsaber. What color is it? Blue. It's like, oh. Fine by me. <laughs> I just I'm blue out. So, and I did, and, and I got the the Jedi Temple Guard because that's a little more unique than than all of them. And I just it's kind of a deep cut. You know, you have to kind of know Star Wars to really understand and, and know where that comes from, at least from some uh, more than just a movie level. That being said, I fell in love with the saber even more after I bought it and played with it. Uh, I played with it a little bit, and yellow is now my color. I think I think yellow has turned into my my favorite lightsaber color. So I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Um, so I bought that. Uh, Kyle actually is the one that talked me into getting the uh, Sith obelisk. Yeah, like yeah a, I talked you into it and talked myself out of it for some reason. Yeah, it's so because I was gonna and, and you brought it up earlier. The, the they have Jedi holocrons and Sith holocrons and they are plastic and it's because they do when you when you uh, transform them like a Jedi they or you move them around they they'll glow and stuff and that is pretty cool but they are they worth fifty bucks uh, no and I don't think so um, I did get a Jedi holocron one because I I just had to get one but I picked up and put back the Sith holocron multiple times. And let me tell you, the Sith obelisk is the same price as a Jedi holocron. And if you want to get a Sith holocron, don't get it there. Go get the Sith obelisk. Cause I think that's a really cool item to be honest. It looks great. It's just, it's like a statue. Um, I think that, I think that's worth 50 bucks in my opinion. I, it may be a little overpriced, but not by much. I think it's, it's glow. It has a like an oscillating thing. You can turn onto it, which already, the battery is already dead by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, but that being said, it was, it, it, it looks great. It looks like a Sith artifact. It, it's awesome. I, I actually love it. And I'm actually really glad that Kyle talked me into buying it because I, I'm so glad I got that instead of the Sith holocron. That Sith holocron specifically looks really cheap. Yeah, it, the Jedi one looks a lot better. Well, it, is it the yeah. and the other issue that I had with the holocrons is because like you, you know, they, they kind of try to emulate the way that they open, you know, that we've seen them exactly. do on like Clone Wars and Rebels, and so they've got the little corner pieces that you like twist, 
and then like when you twist all the corner pieces then it starts glowing and does its thing and whatever well when it's in its like normal state where you don't twist the corners like because they're movable pieces like they don't sit flush with the edges of the the holocron and so that's what bugged me specifically was like so it does it looks like a toy with you know moving parts as opposed to looking like a, a replica of a jedi artifact mm -hmm. yeah no that, that's a that's a great point and i yeah i i, I think it's uh the, the the obelisk is definitely worth picking up if you're there. I almost picked up the Jedi Temple mask multiple times. I had that. I picked it up and almost yeah, bought it. I kind counter. of regret. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of surprised you didn't get that to go with the saber. You know, I it, I'm, I don't. I, honestly, it would have been really hard to fit that in my in my in my stuff. But in the end, I kind of glad I didn't just because I I already had the saber, which is on my on my coffee table, and it looks phenomenal. And I like having I like having the kind of stuff I got. So I got uh, the Sith Obelisk. I got a Jedi Holocron. I got uh, a little Batu like um, ceramic uh, Black Spire Outpost kind of thing that you can decorate. I put on my coffee table, which looks really cool. I think. Um, did you get one too, Kyle? Yeah, the um, the one that's like a model of the Falcon in the docking bay. Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah. got that. That thing that's that looks really cool. Um, I picked up one of the uh, Kowaki and Monkey Lizard uh, puppets. That I had to get one of those, and I got that looked pretty cool. Yeah, that actually is really, really. I think I mean it's a little pri pricey, but I think it's worth it. It, look, it looks really cool. Um, it's a uh, I got of course I got the Clone Wars version, so uh, I picked up that. Um, what else so it was I funny get? when you were trying to pack it in your suitcase and it would start screaming and yeah, yelling like it was yeah. actually talking like get me out yeah. of here <laughs> yeah I, it's 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 on my legend shelf right now i'm looking at it right now um i bought two uh i got multiple black series uh exclusive sets i i'm very thankful because uh father's figures uh from instagram one of my best friends he asked me if i you know would, would buy pick up a couple things for him and we actually ended up going uh half on one of the exclusives because he just wanted the the mountain trooper and i just wanted the general prior from resistance and i we kind of said oh we'll just you know it kind of sucked because we were stuck with we had kylo ren and a mouse droid so he got the kylo ren and i got the mouse droid and so we split that uh he might have paid a little bit more because he got kylo ren but i didn't need another kylo ren i already have like 800 of them so <laughs> Um, and then we both got the Hondo and Naka, uh, set with Ray and Chewie and the Porgs. I, funny enough, don't have any of the, uh, I didn't have that Ray, even that Ray you can get super cheap at like Big Bad Toy Store for like five bucks. I didn't have that Ray and I don't know if I have a regular Chewbacca. I thought I did, but I don't think I do. So and I, got, I got some Porgs. So I figured, well, it's a little spendy, but I want those. I really needed a Hondo figure. So I got that. Um, I also got, um, I'm trying to think, look around in my room. What else did I get? Um, I, I hung up everything that I got pretty much. Um, what else? What am I forgetting? I'm forgetting something else. I know I am a couple more things, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I blew a lot of money and it was worth it. I, I, I love getting like souvenirs and things like that and, you know, and, and whatever. So, oh, I did get, uh, also the diet Coke and Coke bottle, uh, in oh, the universe. Yeah 
which those are great because I, I those who don't know I'm a giant Coke fan specifically Diet Coke so I definitely have those on the on my Star Wars area as well so yeah I thought I thought there was lots of really cool Star Wars merchandise there obviously you can I could have spent even more money like I would have bought the mask if I had more money you know the Jedi Temple mask and all that stuff but uh, all in all, I, I I don't regret any of the things I bought. I think they're all great. I'm really glad that I got uh, a Jedi Holocron. But, you know, I will say I've, I've been going on Etsy. The Holocrons on Etsy are definitely better than the ones at Galaxy's Edge. I'm just going to say it right now. So if you can't go to Galaxy's Edge and you're bummed you can't get a Holocron, you know what? Just go on Etsy and, like, like for instance, okay, the Wayfinder from Rise of Skywalker – Someone sells one of those that looks exactly like the prop from the movie for 30 bucks. Wow. So, <laughs> which I'm actually, can, I'm probably going to buy it in a couple of weeks. Um, as soon as the movie comes out, I'm probably going to be like, all right, I have to get that. Uh, but if you go just type in holocrons on Etsy, people make amazing looking holocrons and they look, and they look like Star Wars. They're great. So don't feel bad if you can't get anything from uh, Galaxy's Edge for a while. You you really want a holocron because there's a there's some pretty affordable stuff on there, and not to mention some kind of cool lightsaber hilts too. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting bit by the hilt bug, man. I'm hmm. starting to get into the hilts. So becoming General Grievous. Yeah, <laughs> I I I want uh. They're expensive, but man, there there's some cool like uh, Ray, uh, her new blade at the end of the Rise of Skywalker custom built ones that I'm really into. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 getting into it. Yeah, so there's lots of really cool stuff to buy. I bought a lot of stuff. Um, you definitely, I thought, missed out on that obelisk, Kyle. I know I did. Well, so here's the thing: they had one in a display case there, and I kind of talked myself out of it because the more I looked at it, the more I was like. I don't know why I thought, like, it looked kind of cheap. Like, I figured, oh, it's probably just plastic, you know, with a glowing light inside and whatever, and I'm going to spend 50 bucks on this thing and then open it up and find out it's, like, cheap plastic. Um, and then we got back to Tim's place later that night, and I opened yours up, and it's, like, this hefty ceramic statue, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is totally worth the money, and I wish I had gotten it. But, um, oh, well. Maybe next time. Yeah. For me, I really didn't get that much. <laughs> Speaking of talking about how cheap the holocrons are, that's what I did end up getting. But I will say the $50 price tag, yeah, probably too expensive for what it is. But I actually really liked it. It goes nice on display. I have I got my mini Obi-Wan Kenobi lightsaber from Episode 3 standing right next to it. I also got a Kyber crystal there. And while it definitely looks... On the cheaper side, and you know, it's like I said, it's just plastic when it's just sitting there. But once you open it up and it lights up with the lights off, it looks pretty cool. Just that blue light shining out of it, and then hearing the voice of Obi Wan Kenobi from uh, it's the James Arnold Taylor, James Arnold Taylor from uh, Rebels as he delivers the message in Kanan's holocron that he had. It plays all that, and it's cool to hear that coming out of the holocron lining up like that. But then I got the blue kyber crystal and the different kyber crystals you get as you put it in the holocron, you'll get different messages from different characters. And I don't know if it's for every blue one or just the one I got, but I got Last Jedi Luke spreading his words of wisdom from The Last Jedi, depending on your point of view, I guess, <laughs> from from the movie. It's a funny contrast of 
hearing Obi-Wan telling them that the Jedi Order has fallen, but not to give up hope. But then you pop in the Kyber Crystal and hear Luke saying it's time for the Jedi to end <laughs> and all the stuff he was saying in The Last Jedi about why the Jedi uh, fell the way they did. So just funny hearing the two exact opposite words of wisdom from Jedi Masters in the Holocron that I got. But I like it. It's a nice display item that I have, and it just looks really cool lighting up once you have that light off and that blue glow shining out from it. It looks really cool. So, yeah pricey but since it was that and the kyber crystal the only thing that i got there uh, i was happy with it and it, like i said makes a nice display item with my other star wars stuff that i have so that was it for me but i will say the shop was really cool doc ondar's den of antiquities it was just really cool being in there looking for the different easter eggs that you could spot of the helmets and the creature heads mounted on the wall they got a big old stuffed wampa up there i was thankful i did find one clone trooper helmet Upon the second level there, it was it was a dark tone one. Looks like it was might have been one from uh, the Geonosis uh, trooper designs that they have. Mm-hmm. It's the first phase one storm tro- or clone trooper helmet, but it still looked really cool seeing that on display there. So it was definitely a cool shot. But I will say too, one of the moments or the areas of Galaxy's Edge that really felt like you were in Star Wars, other than Rise of the Resistance, was that Black Spire outpost just that pathway of the different shops they have there. It just felt like you're in an actual Star Wars marketplace. It had a really cool vibe to it. And I think you said, Kyle, that you could just picture the Mandalorian walking down <laughs> that alleyway mm-hmm. and just casually strolling by. And you wouldn't think a thing of it, because, not because he doesn't look cool. It would be awesome to see that, but just because it fit in so perfectly and just part of the aesthetic and the environment of the Black Spire outpost. Because that was a really cool section of Galaxy's Edge in that archway of all the shops that they have there so yeah so i didn't get much but i still enjoy going to all the shops and checking it out and seeing all the cool stuff they had on display there yeah and then the only other thing i got because like i said i i got a jedi statue which i was surprised like this is it's a nice little just like ceramic statue of a jedi knight it looks like that statue that um you know, in Rogue One, when they go to Jeddah and there's like the giant Jedi statue lying in the sand, it's like a miniaturized version of that. But obviously he's standing upright. And I think there's like an inscription on the base of it that said, all is as the force wills it. Um, and I looked at that and I thought, eh, that, I bet that's probably like 30 or 40 bucks or something. And I picked it up and looked at it and it was only 20. And I was like, yep, I'm getting this. Um, and then I got... Um, that that Sith goblet like I was talking about and I got that uh that model of like the falcon um that I'm gonna just like put on my desk at work um and then the only other thing I got is I got a sabacc deck um which we unfortunately never got time to play but um you know we were busy hanging out doing other stuff the rest of that weekend but um I thought that would be (laughs) yeah I thought that would be fun to have just as uh you know I always like when there's like stuff that you can whether it's games that you can play or just interactive things that you can like do that are like something that's from an actual movie um and you'd be like oh hey i'm playing the same game that han was playing so i like having that they actually also had a um like an actual physical degeric chess set um and it was like a big wooden board with like the little degeric pieces and then you can flip it over and play checkers on the other side and um i thought that would have been cool to have too but that was a little too pricey um but yeah the other thing that was I'm sorry, Kyle. Oh, the only other thing I was tempted to buy was near the resistance area of Galaxy's Edge where it had Luke's like ration kit that he takes for oh, food yeah. to Dagobah. 
that looked really cool. I was like, I don't think I'd eat any of the food that's in there, but just to have on display. <laughs> I always like that. Of just a small little detail of the Star Wars universe of seeing what Luke Skywalker got to eat on Dagobah. I always loved that as a little kid. And just seeing that out there that you could buy and have for yourself. I was tempted to get that. Yeah. And that was one of those things that like, it was cool that they had, but also that was one thing that was kind of overpriced. It was like 25 bucks and it was basically, you know, again, just like a big snack pack and yeah, it's star Wars branded and it looks like Luke's ration pack, but it's really just a bunch of pretzel sticks and well, you know, yeah. whatever else is in there. So I was like, I am not paying $25 for that thing. But it should be taquitos. Cause that's all, what I always thought Luke was eating on day. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. Hey, if they could sell them like somehow pre-cooked in there, to not go bad, that might be worth it. Yeah. But, um, then it'll be $50. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, that was pretty much our day at Galaxy's Edge. Um, you know, we so what a day off, it was. Yeah, <laughs> we finished off the night at the cantina and going on Smuggler's Run again. Um, yeah. We we did take a brief detour. You know, we, uh, we left Galaxy's Edge for a bit. We went on Star Tours a couple times, like we talked about. Also, uh, Tim and Justin and I went on Space Mountain, and it broke down, and we got to see what Space Mountain looks like with the lights on. So that was kind of <laughs> Which fun. Which is really cool. Um, yeah. That was, you know, fun little side part of the trip. But, uh, I mean, we spent probably, what would you say, like 75% of the day in Galaxy's Edge. Um, and we certainly I'd got our so. we certainly got our money's worth because I I I don't think I've ever spent that long in Disneyland before. We got there before it opened. You know, like I said, we probably got there around seven thirty in the morning. It opened at eight, and we were there till it closed at midnight. Um, I mean, we left you know around what, five or so to like walk back to Justin's hotel room and drop our stuff off because Paul had like eight shopping bags. Um, and then there's a great picture on Facebook with it, by the way, or if you want to post it with that, uh, with this episode, you can do that or hey, yeah, have shopping bags. I think, well, I don't know if you have that picture or if, uh, it's, it's on, it's on our galaxy's edge thing. We all, uh, we all use together that oh, okay. I tagged you all. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we, we took a little break in the middle of the day, but then came back later. So, um, yeah, we were there like from open to close. And so I was dead tired the next day, dead tired the whole rest of that weekend. And like I said, that's probably why I ended up getting sick, but it was totally worth it. Um, just so much fun getting to experience that with you guys. Um, and like I said, I'm just, I'm so glad that we were able to all do it together, that we waited till after Rise of the Resistance was open so we could just, you know, do everything all at once. Um, and man, that was just such a great experience. Yeah, I literally had the time of my life there. I mean, getting to experience yeah. Star Wars like that, with you guys and also with Justin and Sean there, it was just a really special day to experience Star Wars like never before and just had a great time being blown away and just geeking out about everything. And just it was just a blast. I couldn't ask for a better day at Disneyland or just a better day in general, really. It was just everything I was hoping it would be and made even more special by being there with you guys and everyone. It was just just a magical yeah, experience. Yeah. Now, while we're talking about Galaxy's Edge, I want to talk about then what we got to do the next day uh, while we were still all out there hanging out together, which was watching Clone Wars together for the first time. Which, by the way, first of all, uh, we sacrificed watching Clone Wars the <laughs> yes. night it came out in order to go to bed and get some sleep and get up uh, to go on Rise of the Resistance the next day. So that was how much of a sacrifice that was. Yeah, um, that's a big deal. <laughs> New Clone Wars, we're not watching it when it's available. 
That's how much we wanted to go on Rise of the Resistance. Although that also ended up being a very smart move because apparently that episode didn't drop until like an hour later than we thought it was going to. Um, so we would have been really tired that day if we had stayed up and watched that. But uh, yeah, so Friday we were Galaxy's Edge all day. Um, so it was like Saturday afternoon when we finally uh, sat down and watched Clone Wars together at Tim's place. Um and man, first of all, I got to give you props again, Tim, because you have a freaking sweet home theater set up that was perfect oh, for all of us being able to watch Clone Wars together on. This is true. Um, and man, just and no, no lie. Half of the reason me and my brother wanted to get a theater room set up was mainly to watch Star Wars like that. <laughs> Not and just it, the movies, but the Clone Wars and all that stuff. And it's been well worth it yeah i bet um i just wanted to stay at your house like all week and just you know watch i i was like every minute that i was there and not watching star wars on that giant tv i felt like i was wasting time um <laughs> but uh yeah so i mean and that was just the the perfect uh perfect setup and perfect uh experience for all of us to then be able to watch the return of clone wars together um, watch it on that giant screen with the, the big speakers and everything. Um, and just, you know, again, it was perfect for, uh, it perfectly fitting for the return of the show with just the, um, you know, the improvements that they've made to the visuals and stuff. I mean, it just looked amazing. Um, and so that was just a really cool experience too. Like just, I mean, it was such a, just a, an entire weekend of cool Star Wars experiences with you guys getting to do Galaxy's Edge and then getting to uh, just see Clone Wars come back. Um, and of course, now we're two episodes into it because I had to like wait a whole week of being sick when I couldn't record last week. So um, now we're two episodes into the final season, um, you know, getting caught up on the Bad Batch and everything. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it so far and just loving having Clone Wars back. Yeah, it's been great. And like you said, we didn't plan it this way. It just happened to work out. It was the will of the force where the weekend you guys were coming down, we're going to Galaxy's Edge was when Clone Wars was coming back. So that was another big highlight and something I really couldn't wait to do with you guys as well as watch the return of Clone Wars together. And boy, it did not disappoint. It was just felt so good hitting play on the episode and just seeing the now iconic Clone Wars title car and that music pop up. And knowing there's a new episode coming. And yes, technically, we have seen it before with the story reels, but it's been a while since I watched those, and it felt like watching a brand new episode again. It I think really it's going to be did. like that throughout the entire Bad Batch arc. And there was, as, you're watching, as I was watching, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, this happened. But then there was a lot of things, oh, man, this is like, did that happen or is this new? <laughs> there was some new stuff added, but it was just great to experience it like that again. And then just even the second episode, the week after, I couldn't, I'm sure you guys felt this way too, but I wasn't expected to feel it this much where that great feeling of, you know, being at work and when the workday is done, there's a new Clone Wars episode waiting for you and you get to have that again. I've forgotten how special that felt of knowing you got that to look forward to, to close out the work week. It was just really cool. And then the episodes so far have not disappointed. I think you've alluded to already but the animation quality is just on another level with this season and really would we expect anything less from dave filoni and his crew with just outdoing themselves with each new season and is continuing with season seven just not only the animation but the way it's directed and the cinematography it's just mind-blowingly cool of how 
I've been using that those two words a lot lately. <laughs> this episode <laughs> so mind-blowingly cool because that's all the great stuff of Star Wars we got to experience on that weekend. But Clone Wars was a part of that. And I remember saying this, the episode we recorded after Celebration talking about the Bad Batch where, man, this stuff, it looks so cool. I can't imagine how much cooler it would be if they actually finished these episodes and we get to see these cool characters, these cool action sequence in finished animation. Well, we got it, and it has not disappointed. It's just been really, really awesome to see these, like I said, take it to the next level with Clone Wars. The direction of these action sequences have been incredible. There's these single shot takes as you see clone troopers moving through a base, mowing down battle joys that just look really cool and cinematic. And yeah, (laughs) I've just been loving it. And I've also been loving like the battle scenes where there's no music and it's just like the really sharp, punchy sound effects of the blasters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's been some great audio work on that too. Yeah. I mean, we're only two episodes in, but I've watched them multiple times already. <laughs> it's just, it's that excitement having Clone Wars back, but just how good the episodes have been and just the quality of the animation and the directing of it. Just, you just have to watch them again because <laughs> they're just that good. So yeah, even though we know the story of the Bad Batch and we've seen it before, it is almost like experiencing it for the first time again. And some new cool little stuff added to, but just for overall, it's just great having this. I feel this is a great way to kick off the new and final season of Clone Wars with these episodes. It just takes you right back into that awesome Clone Wars action of that we know and love, but also some great character moments that we're getting as well. So, yeah, I've been loving these first two episodes and just can't wait for the rest. We're down just to 10 more, but still, it's, it's going to be great experiencing all these new episodes for the next 10 weeks. Yeah. And now that we're in the middle of it, uh, you know, I, I feel even more so now, like I'm really glad that they're releasing these uh, one episode a week, um, just like they did with the Mandalorian, like just so that we get to uh, enjoy this for as long as possible and drag it out for as long as possible and not just binge it in one weekend and get it over with. Um, so, you know, yeah, like you said, we're two episodes down, but we still got 10 more to go, and uh, it's going to be a fun 10 weeks. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention on Clone Wars 2 is just, um, I think in both of the first two episodes that we've gotten so far, there have been, you know, Tim, you're talking about the, the story reels and how we'd essentially seen these episodes before, but um, both episodes so far have had, like, at least one big scene that was a new addition, Um and in the first episode, it's the scene where Rex is in the barracks with Cody talking about how he's lost, you know, fives and echo and um, just, you know, you see sort of like the toll that the war is taking on him. And then in the most recent episode, um, it was the scene with obviously Anakin and Padme um, when he, you know, kind of sneaks off to talk to her and has Rex on the lookout and he's trying to distract Obi-Wan and stuff. Um and I, I love those those touches. I think both of those scenes are really effective and you can tell that they're like, um, you know, they, they've made some tweaks like now knowing that this is the final season and, and kind of trying to um, add a little bit more finality, I think, to some of these character arcs and stuff that wasn't necessarily the case the first time around. But um, yeah, it's just great to have Clone Wars back. Um, it great, is, yeah. Yeah, great to see, you know, the the action and the characters and all the new stuff that they're adding in. And I know that uh, Dave Filoni has said, like, the Bad Batch is kind of the most true to, like, the show that they had been making at the time and with the rest of the, you know, Ahsoka and the Siege of Mandalore and stuff that 
Um, there's going to be some more new stuff in those episodes and some more tweaks that they made to them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes and, uh, you know, kind of see how the story evolves as they finish out the season. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Those, I was going to say those new scenes, especially in the second episode, with Anakin and Padme pretty, pretty big (laughs) actually, Mm -hmm. when you think about where it seems like Rex is in on the secret, maybe not to every full detail, maybe doesn't know they're married, but the fact that he is aware of their relationship and Anakin trusts him to kind of keep it a secret as he's talking and communicating with Padme. I think it's pretty cool that Rex is in that circle with Anakin and Anakin views him as close as he does to trust him with that. And again, it just elevates the bond that we know that they already have. And for me, just makes me really want to see that moment. Or if he ever does find out, I think he does eventually. We just don't know when where Rex realizes that Anakin becomes Darth Vader. Cause it's gotta be, almost as shocking to him as it was for Ahsoka, maybe not quite on the level as Ahsoka, but it's still going to be pretty painful for him to see that. And so that's one of those moments that makes you think it's really going to affect Rex in such a big way. And just Rex in general, one of the tweaks that I'm liking that they made to his character in these episodes, where I went back and watched a few of the story reel scenes after these first two episodes. And I like how they're making Rex and his, um, devotion to echo and how his motivation really is on the loss of his brothers and how if he has the chance to rescue one of them how big that would be for him as a clone where as in the story reels it was more about just completing the mission and make sure that intel does not fall into enemy hands and that if um echo did fall and became a traitor and worked for the separatists if he had to do what he had to do and kill him to make sure that information doesn't fall into separatist hands where in this one he's him and Anakin were talking about the possibility of him still being dead and not necessarily working for the separatists. So just making Mm -hmm. it more personal, more personal about him and the brotherhood of the clones that they have. So little small tweaks like that, I think just do a lot for Rex's character, which again, I think it's all going to lead to some pretty big, heavy emotional stuff. Once we get to the siege of Mandalore, what we have to see him and Ahsoka go through, it's just going to make it that much more impactful. And I yeah. think also the the moment where uh, Obi Wan is trying to you know is, is want to know where Anakin is and everything and it's it's interesting. I, a lot of people haven't really at least people on my Twitter feed haven't really talked about this. It seems they kind of make this joke about you know the whole thing with Anakin and and Rex or whatever. But honestly, what's kind of lost is the fact that what does Obi Wan say to Anakin afterwards? He goes, "I hope you told Padme yeah. I said hi." <laughs> So oh yes, I've seen not, a lot of people talking about that. Okay, I haven't seen as many people talk about that, but that is a big deal. The basically that he is Anakin, he knows too about Padme. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously we know that because he goes and sees her, you know. But I'll, I, that's also after Yoda goes, "You're so hard on whatever you know. So <laughs> I, I get, I get it, but I do think it's interesting that Obi Wan is not dumb. Right. Understands like, okay, like, but what's interesting is he's not like, I can't believe you are. He's not, he's not, you know, scolding him. He's just kind of like, well, tell Padme I said hi. I mean, like, he is aware of something's up. So it's, uh, or something might, might be up, but he's not stopping him, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So, well, and I think he obviously, like, I don't think he knows the extent of it. 
Like, he probably assumes Dude. there's something going yeah, on between but... the two of them, but then also assumes, yeah. like, because Anakin's a Jedi, he's like, he wouldn't go off and get married. Like, of course he wouldn't do that. You know, so he but doesn't... You think, but you, th- you think that Obi-Wan thinks he's getting a side hustle from it? I don't know. I, I just think he doesn't realize the full extent of what's going on. I get um, Yeah, I know. I know. I'm being a little, little, little funny, but yeah, I got you. But, um, Sorry. yeah, no, but obviously, and that's a great aspect to bring to it as well. First of all, that line was hilarious. And I like choked on something I was eating the first time he said that, cause I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> um, but then, um, yeah, just, you know, again, tying those little loose threads together. I mean, obviously, like you said, in episode by, by episode three, he pretty much figures it out. And then when he can tell that Padme's pregnant and he's like, Anakin's the father, but you can see through this, like that wasn't the first time that he had any suspicion that anything was going on. Like he was already starting to put the pieces together. Um, and so again, just kind of putting things in place for that as we're moving towards episode three. Also, obviously when Anakin's talking to Padme and you can kind of see that she's pregnant, um, and also I, I thought it was cool too. And this was like a new addition, obviously because of the scene, but when Anakin, um, is saying, you know, how long it's been since he's seen her and whatever. And he mentions that this battle on Anaxis is part of the outer rim sieges, yeah. um, which was just a nice little callback to a line that's in episode three. And so now you see that again, this is placing it in that timeline of being like in that final campaign of the war. And this is like right before episode three. So, um, yeah, just, you know, nice, nice job that they're doing of just adding those little touches to uh, to wrap it all up as the series comes to a head. Um, but yeah, so like we said, you know, just 10 more episodes left. Can't wait to see uh, what other good stuff they have in store. Um, and then lastly, before we wrap up here, um, I think we might have talked about this on our last episode that this was coming out soon. I forget because we talk about all the new Battlefront updates. Like, uh, I think on, on our last one, we had just talked about like the BB-8 update. Um, well, there's a new Age of Rebellion update that just came out um, where you now have uh, co-op maps in the original trilogy. And they added two more new units with the Ewok Hunter for the Rebellion and the ISB Agent for the Imperials. Um, I haven't gotten to play any, either of those new uh, reinforcements yet. Um, but I did play, I actually was playing, um, co-op with, uh, the Clone Wars the other day cause they made some changes to the ARC Trooper that I wanted to try out. Um, but as we always say, Battlefront, you know, just keeps on trucking. Um, and it's amazing to, you know, still see it getting all these, this great new content and updates and stuff. So, uh, definitely check that out if you haven't yet, you know, maybe if you haven't played the game in a while, um, and then uh, last but not least, The Rise of Skywalker is coming out on digital and Blu-ray uh, later this month. We're into March now, so uh, it's coming out on digital March 17th and Blu-ray March 31st. Uh, and you guys know what that means. It's going to be time for another commentary soon. Yes. I didn't think about that. I totally forgot. I am, oh man, I am, I've got a lot going on. I, I've. I talk about money I've spent. There's a lot of things coming out of my bank account that are coming out during that time. I've got the 4K box set on pre-order. I've got the uh, Rise of Skywalker steelbook. I've got the Rise of Skywalker art of book that comes. They all come out the same day. 
Mm-hmm. And not to mention, thanks for reminding myself, uh, me, uh, Rogue One on 4K, which I need to see if that's up for pre-order yet. So I, while uh, I'm talking, I'm going to be looking that up. But uh, but yeah, man, it's going to be a nutty, nutty day. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I can't wait, though. I cannot wait to get all those in 4K and, and see them. On, on, you know, I know streaming, they're on Disney Plus, but streaming compresses, still not it's streaming right now still can't beat the best quality picture. I don't care of Dolby, whatever still you can't beat a 4k picture right now, a physical media, maybe in 40 years it will, or 20 years. I don't know, whatever, but it's, I want, I want to watch the movies. I love like, like Marvel and star Wars on the best possible screen. And you know what? It's yeah. I, I can't wait to get these movies. I, 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 and, and you guys all know, I cannot wait for Rise of Skywalker. It is going to be, I'm going to rewatch that movie a lot. And I, some, and something I'm looking forward to is doing again is watching the the, the sequel trilogy all in a row. Because when I did that, um, when the Rise of Skywalker came out, I really, really fell in love with the sequel trilogy way more than I was anticipating. And I thought it actually flowed pretty well. And the more and more I think about the movie, I just, I the more I love it. I know you, you know, you're not as into it, Kyle, but. This movie is just something that I'm going to be rewatching a lot of, and it's not a perfect movie by any means, but it's a movie that I really, really can get behind, and it really it tugs on a lot of Star Wars strings for me, and I just cannot wait to watch it. It's going to be really, really hard for me not to buy it digitally on the 17th. I know that's so, gonna be my biggest problem. <laughs> right mm-hmm. home now. Well, see, I'm going to buy the yeah. novel on the 17th and let that hold me over until the Blu-ray comes out. Ah, uh, I got you. Mm. See, that would just make me more antsy to watch it because yes. I'm reading through the novel. Oh, man, I want to watch this too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I will say, I mean, I'm right there with you, Paul. I can't wait to watch it over and over, watch the entire sequel trilogy, watch the entire saga one through nine once it comes out. But mm-hmm. I am a little disappointed with the special features. I mean, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. right now, there's just that one feature-length documentary, The Skywalker Legacy, which should be cool, but... No deleted scenes, no commentary from JJ or Chris Terrio, which I was really hoping for. And the only thing that I'm thinking of is maybe they're playing the same game they did with The Force Awakens, where they had the 3D release later, mm-hmm. in which had the commentary and a few more deleted scenes. So maybe they're going to do that, but right, I'm not too sure how much or any new 3D releases get released for Blu-ray nowadays, like it was back in... 2016 when that blu-ray came out but maybe they'll still do it for this one but regardless what the format is i hope it does see another release i have a theory about that i have a theory about that tim and i think i told you guys you know i'll tell tell our audience this (laughs) so uh i think that jj has a lot more i think uh i think all directors probably have something like this but i think jj even more than probably most people he probably has a higher percentage points as far as his uh, direct um, what he gets back from probably uh, home video sales and whatnot. And it would not shock me that the reason that the original 3D release came out separately is not just because Disney wants to double dip because they could have easily done that for The Last Jedi, but they didn't. I got to think that with all the added things they added from the uh, Force Awakens 3D uh, edition which is basically a special edition because they added like a commentary and whatnot and other special features and deleted scenes that that's all JJ. So JJ probably was like, I, you know, 
we're going to re-release this, you know, and we're going to, and I'm going to get this amount of much, you know, points from the sales of this movie or whatever you, and with, in light of also of all the things we're hearing about the novelization that has a lot of things missing from it. It makes me think that if we're not going to get a re-release of the rise of Skywalker around Christmas time, just like the force awakens, it's, which I think I think that's a foregone conclusion. I think that I think JJ is going to come out because because it's missing a commentary, it's missing deleted scenes, it's missing all kinds of stuff. I think that the there's going to be a Christmas time release of The Rise of Skywalker, and it's either going to be loaded with special features, or and or and it's going to have a director's cut like special edition where it's going to have mm. all those things that we're, <laughs> we're getting from that novelization that people are like, Oh, I wasn't this in the movie. <laughs> and then even though it was already hinted that it was, you know what I'm talking about? I'm here all day. <laughs> Come at me. Um, but uh, no, it's, I, I really do think that what's going to happen is it's either going to have those deleted scenes into the movie or, or there'll be like, you'll be able to watch them, whether they be the unfinished scenes or whatever. Or it's actually going to be a, a, a director's cut where it's basically going to be a an extended edition of or a, a, a canon version of that movie that that the novelization is. So because you know right now that the novelization is is canon as long as it's on screen, and if it's not on screen, it's not it's not it, as long as it doesn't contradict anything, it's still canon. There's that weird kind of loose kind of thing because mainly it's covering themselves for all the older. Um, sound all the older adaptations like the original Star Wars where Owen uh, Owen and Obi-Wan are brothers you know what I mean like it's yeah. kind of, there's lots of weird you know through all of the novelizations there's they always alteration alterations and whatever and so with that being said with all the new ones it's a little bit more concise and a little more organized I'd say even though they may they still may contradict it or whatever at some point again but you have to think now with rise with what we're getting again. I'm not going to spoil it. We'll save it for a different episode. But what all that's been coming out in the last even today, I'm like, there's no. I just kind of feel to him and Kyle that there's no way JJ isn't going to put out another version of this movie with all the stuff in it because it's so much. There's so much information that's not just like a oh yeah, this is what they were thinking inside their head. No, it's like pretty extensive confirmation of plot stuff and it's like huh. okay well that's what i'm hoping for but don't go getting my hopes up now i mean it's not listen is it gonna change your it, i'll say this i don't think it's gonna change your mind completely kyle but i think it might help i think that's what the common thing i've seen online from on youtube to on twitter that the people who are maybe not again these are the people who didn't hate the movie but had issues with it and that seems kind of like what you're in, uh, I would say. The movie, the novelization has definitely helped people understand, and, and at least from those aspects. And with all that being said, it just makes sense to me that J.J. would be finally doing, uh, would, would it would make sense for him to put those scenes in the movie, because all these things that they're adding in the novelization seem like, because even, um, what's his name? Um, um, oh, my gosh. Palpatine himself, the actor, I can't remember his name. Yeah, E. McDermott, can I remember his name? E. McDermott even said that there's a line that confirms that the Emperor says that he remembers saying that they edited out of the movie. 
And like he actually, so they actually filmed him saying like a crucial part that would have made a lot of people have been like, they finally told me outright with a bullet point. Oh my gosh, this would have made it so much better. Uh, those people, um, I feel that they edited that out. And it's probably just because for time purposes and, and, and pacing, they need to get the ball rolling. And that's why they edited it out. And so I kind of feel that with this with this potential eventual, in my opinion, again, nothing's – I've not heard anything, but this, with this eventual special edition movie we'll probably get at some point with Rise of Skywalker because of J.J., I think that that's very very viable thing that he'll be not just adding or not just including deleted scenes, but probably including them in the movie. In fact – I would even be surprised if some of the, a few of these little things might be added in the movie in the uh, home release, like they like George used to do back in the day of the prequel trilogy. It wouldn't shock me if he would have added. They would, they, you know, JJ adds a few little things because, like, you know, he can do that. The movie's already been made, and you know, whatever he's kind of want to add a few things that kind of make some people happy. But ultimately, yeah, I, I think that there's a, I think there's a really good chance that JJ does some kind of special edition and, and all these things we get from the, from the, uh, the adaptation that he, that at least will confirm or goes in line with that because there's too much missing, not too much missing, but there's, I think there's enough missing that would make sense for them to, for him to do with some kind of canonized special edition. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean, on the one hand, I would certainly be down for that. On the other hand, I wish they would just release that now instead, of, you know, or at least like you said, put the put the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray or something instead of like holding it out and trying to get people to buy a second version of it later or something like they did with the 3D version for The Force Awakens. But um, we'll I'm see. So you to it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. George does that all the time. So what's 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 not like? You know, I'm not trying to say that they're bad for doing it because, like I said, George did it constantly and it, it, it again they want to make money this is all business and to be honest if here's the thing i'm gonna buy it regardless but i really want them to give the fans like okay let's give them this let's give them the special director's cut special edition where it's this stuff is canon it's all stuff that's already in the novelization but here it is in the movie it's finished it's added in it's it makes the movie way longer, and that's and that's probably the reason why if and when we do get that, that's probably why they did, took it out because they didn't want to make it shorter, because it was already up against with all the controversies already with with the Last Jedi and Solo and whatnot. Again, whether you like those movies or not, it's that's the reality of it. And I think that Disney had a very they definitely had a hand in the editing of that movie. That if. If you believe the rumors, and I'm the person that would say, I don't believe everything I read or hear, but I do believe in when there's smoke, there's fire. And mm -hmm. one of the more consistent things we've heard was Disney was definitely heavy, uh, heavily influencing that cut of the movie. And it would that's why it wouldn't shock me that JJ puts out this director's cut that is more in line with his vision what he wanted and that they end up going with that version of of making a canon or both versions would be canon but it just kind of extends everything because disney was afraid of having a end game like length of movie but not coming in uh, as hot as end game did with infinity war so that's where i think the the rub is and that's where i think there's there's a really I'm, I, I think it's a decently good chance that, that that's why we'll get a director's cut is because I think J.J. will want to give the fans what he really wanted to end it with and, and but not say it like that. But that's what it's going to be, basically.
I don't know. We'll see. I certainly wouldn't mind that, but I don't know if, eh, I don't know how likely that is. I mean, just because we've never gotten, I mean, aside from George's stuff, obviously, we've never gotten like a special edition or a director's cut release of, of any of the Disney Star Wars films. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, but regardless, um, at least be on the lookout for uh, the initial version coming out later this month. Um, and like I said, that means we'll have uh, just one more movie to do another commentary for, and then we get to do our much-anticipated ranking episode um, uh, and all that fun stuff. So, um, and then obviously, of course, I think at the beginning of this episode, we mentioned uh, the High Republic um and of course, we're going to talk about that. But I think in we're going to save that for another episode because uh, it's getting late now. Paul and I are still both still getting over being sick, yeah. and uh, we got I a lot, lot to say. We got a lot to talk about with that one too. So yeah, that's going to be our next episode, um, and we'll probably try to get that done within another week or so, um, and not wait too much longer. Because then again, of course, by the end of this month, we're going to have. Uh, all this Rise of Skywalker novel and Blu-rays and stuff coming out. So um, there will be no shortage of Star Wars stuff to talk about in the near future. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll get to that uh, High Republic stuff as soon as we can. Um, but before we wrap up, uh, Tim, did we have any uh, emails or Twitter comments or anything to read? Um, yeah, I got a couple of items. Uh, first up, an email from um, I actually got to apologize for to Tom Newman who actually sent an email a couple of weeks ago. Didn't have a chance to read it on our last episode, but want to make sure we read it on this one. Um, he goes, "Hey guys, I've been listening to the podcast since episode one, and I've loved every one of them, even the six-hour deep dives into the sequel trilogy movies." Well, thank you so much, Tom. Glad to have you along for the ride from the very beginning. So, eight years and counting. Glad to have you with us. Yeah. After seeing the season finale of Star Wars Resistance, it left me with more questions than answers. It was a good two-part episode, but it felt more like a season finale than a series finale. There were too many plot threads that were never tied up. The two children who were being pursued by the First Order, what does Freya Fenris have to do with the fight against the First Order, and how does the Colossus and the Aces fit into the final battle with the First and Final Orders? I was able to attend the premiere screening of the finale episodes at Lucasfilm, uh, with Q&As with Christopher Sean and Susie McGrath. During the Q&A, Susie said that they have known how this episode ends for over a year, and they've had to keep it quiet. That, com that comment made me start to wonder something. Was that supposed to be a third season? The announcement for this to be the final season was made only a few months ago, and these episodes were recorded longer, long ago than the announcement. Unfortunately, I did not think of it at the time. It's, I was able to ask about this. I have a hypothesis that there was supposed to be a third season and it was already mostly recorded. Since those episodes were in the can before The Rise of Skywalker was finalized and the live action always trumps the extended universe shows, this third season was canceled and the second became the final one. I feel that my hypothesized third season being written when Colin Trevorrow was heading up episode 9, that it took the story in a very different place and production was too far into it to do rewrites and get where it needs to be in the lineup with J.J.'s episode 9. What do you guys think about this hypothesis? And do you think, if it actually exists, we will ever see this material in the form that it is when it was canceled, like we have seen in the Duel of Fates and Clone Wars material? Well, first off, thanks up for the email, Tom. And let me ask you real quick, guys. You still haven't seen Star Wars Resistance Season 2 
finale or even the whole season yet, right? No, I fell behind on that, that after like correct. five episodes. But it's on uh, Disney Plus yeah. now. So now I'm finally going to go get caught up on season two. Um, so I can't, you know, speak to that, you know, super well. Like, I don't know how the story wraps up. But that is an interesting theory uh, that Tom's got there about, um, you know, the the direction that they had planned for the show and it lining up with JJ's version of episode nine versus Colin Trevorrow's version. And I definitely could see how that could maybe throw a wrench in things um, in the animation world if they were if they did have longer term plans for the show and thought that it was going to, um, you know, line up with a different version of the story that ended up not happening. Yeah. So as someone who's seen the finale, I totally agree with what Tom was saying about it feeling more like a season finale and not a series finale. Cause it definitely ended where things could have continued on and lead up to the final battle that we saw in episode nine. And again, regardless of whether that was with what Colin Trevorrow did with Duel of the Fates or what we got with the Rise of Skywalker. I think that was going to be something that felt more natural to have the series end than what we got here. But that is an interesting point about it being connected and being scrapped because Colin Trevorrow's story was scrapped. So, yeah, I think there might be something to that, Tom. But also a quick Facebook comment we got in regards to Galaxy's Edge. And... We might be able to answer this pretty easily, but this comes from James Hewins, who says, with money no, not being an object, what's the most or the must thing to do at Galaxy's Edge? And I think we could easily say Rise of the Resistance would be that thing if we're able to get on. But if you're not able to, I think the next thing you have to do is try the Melu Ron fruit juice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think I think that's definitely a must a must do for sure. Yeah. Yes, you'll um, be thankful once you taste it. Yeah, no, I think I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, obviously, Rise of the Resistance is number one. Um, but yeah, if money is no object, I mean, you could spend $200 on a custom lightsaber, or you could spend that same amount of money on, like, 26 cups of Melu Run juice. Um, <laughs> or how, I don't know how much that would be, but yeah, like, oh, man, that stuff is good. Yeah, so, yeah, as we talked about, in our main discussion of Galaxy's Edge, tons of cool stuff to do where as long as you get to experience and go to Galaxy's Edge, you'll definitely come out, I think, satisfied with experiencing it for the first time with at least riding Smuggler's Run, getting to go to the shops and trying the different foods there and just being immersed in that Star Wars environment, I felt was just so worth it. And if you get to go on Rise of the Resistance, well, then... You'll have the time of your life there. <laughs> yeah. Me, so. Now, I will say for anybody that's thinking about going, I would say maybe wait a little bit longer while they kind of work out the kinks on um, Rise of the Resistance. Because, again, I've heard I, I've still been yeah. hearing about it breaking down a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully, obviously, as time goes on, because it's still pretty new, um, hopefully they'll get that all smoothed out and get it up and running. Um you know, just on a regular basis without it breaking down a bunch. So, um, yeah, that, that might be one thing to uh, just keep in mind. But, I mean, obviously we didn't have any issues when we went on it, and it was well worth the the wait and all the effort it took to get on there. So, um, yeah, that's that's the must-do thing, the must -do thing that you got to check out at Galaxy's Edge. Um, yeah, for sure. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that is just about going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you to you guys for sending us emails and comments and all that good stuff. 
Um, again, as we promised, you know, we'll be back soon and talk about uh, the High Republic and all that fun stuff. Um, but it was good just to get on here and uh, be able to recap our Galaxy's Edge trip and just talk about how much fun that was. Um, glad we were able to go. Hope some of you were able to go experience it as well because it is just a really cool Star Wars experience. Um, but as always, you can check us out online at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues and follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, you can uh, send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com and you can check out our website at starwarstsc.com to follow along with all the news stories and stuff that we're posting over there. Um, and of course, be sure to check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Uh, but that is going to do it for now. Uh, we will be back soon with more good Star Wars news and hopefully a couple of healthy co-hosts. Um, but that's going to do it for us for now. So thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, Rebels.